What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of the Pylon Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you're watching in the podcast or on YouTube or here live or on the Twitch channel, welcome, everyone. We never know when we start it. We don't even know what day we do it on, so it's just a real treat that so many people have just continuously found us in these weird corners of the internet. Uh, I'm one of the hosts, Jeff and Control Robinson, of course. Stream a lot of StarCraft angrily and poorly, but I, I still give it my best shot. And speaking of anger and poor, we also have other hosts here. Uh, we have Mr. World, World Traveler, half of the Tastosis pylon, if you will. Artosis, how you doing, friend? Uh, doing doing pretty good. Um you know, I've been streaming a lot, playing a lot of games while the children are in Canada. Lost all my ladder points last night, unfortunately. So happy that the pylon show is on today and not me streaming more. As, least, as long as it's not just me donating points out there. But I did tune into your stream and saw it start at like 1691 or something like that, where I think it was a day or two before that I watched you start at 1945 or something like that. So oh, the, the ladder reset in that time. Ah, okay. Uh, not then that I got bad. myself... I got myself back up in the 1900s last yesterday, and last night I lost like 200 ladder points. Man, it was it was awful. Oh my god, we've all been there. Speaking yeah. of looting, losing ladder points, but not just losing ladder points, being a great mind as well. We have Neuro back on the show. Neuro, I understand you are. Are you 28 years old now? 29. 29. You know you're the youngest <laughs> one here by like. Well, I guess on Kevin, you're only two or three years younger, right? Kevin, you're 30 or 31? 31. 31. 31. Okay. Well, we got the young buck here, Nero. How, how is your birthday going? How are you what, You just streaming the whole birthday? Is that what you're doing? Well, I, yeah, I streamed. My sleep schedule was all messed up, so I slept, and then I woke up, and now I'm here. But what you just said makes me feel like the official representative for all 20-year-olds who are watching. Yeah. So it's an honor. I'm glad <laughs> to be back. It's always good talking to you guys. But yeah, business is booming. There's been tons of hype around the stream. I'm very thankful to Blizzard and you guys for kind of keeping that momentum going but looking forward to an awesome wrap up this year and next year and beyond yeah that's a good feeling when your stream's kind of ramping up and you can look to the next year to get more going speaking of mm. ramping up streams this has just been segway central i'm a good host today by the way guys Normally I'm a <laughs> shit host You're killing it, yeah thank you uh we have the kevin has become a bit of a, a pylon show legend because kevin when you're not here we get sentient food questions and then the next question is when will kevin be back on the show because people want to ask you sentient food questions. I don't know why this is your legacy, but it is. Kevin, thank you for coming back on, dude. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that hot dog thing stuck around, but uh, whatever gets the people going, I guess. Uh, thank you for having me. And, of course, happy birthday, Nuro. I didn't say that yet today, so I hope you have a great birthday, mate. Cheers. Happy birthday, sir. He's gonna, I believe you're going to stream right after this, right? Yep. Did you talk to Cobra? Because the plan will be we'll host him right after this. And if you guys are having a good time here and listening to what he has to say, continue it on to his stream. Um, we're going to get into this week in StarCraft. We have a great show for you guys. We kind of have a return because it's kind of nice in the offseason right now. There's not – there are tournaments. We'll, of course, talk about that. But we also want to have just some, like, host-centric topics. And Nero actually had a couple that are really cool – and then one of the ones that we've been meaning to have for a while with Kevin is the discussion around barcodes. And, and full disclosure, I tried to find some, and it's mostly <laughs> European pro gamers that I would want on here. It's, uh, I thought you were wearing a cake, but you kind of are. Uh, Wonderful hat. Damn, dude. Um, but they, it, it's a, it, the show's at a terrible hour, so every time you see a European on the show, please regard them as some kind of fucking hero like Kevin here. It's like 3.30 where he's at right now, which is this unique, terrible time where it's too early to wake up and too late to stay up. But 
Um, anyways, Kevin, and, and we'll hopefully have a nice, lively debate about that. And then when, and this is what will happen, when a pro gamer shows up in the chat, we're going to try to abduct them onto the show. Matt, I'm surprising you with that. If we can. <laughs> so if any of you fucking European pro gamers are in the chat, we're going to try to have you in here. We like to have parody. Anyways, we're going to talk about barcodes. Uh, Dan's about to do This Week in StarCraft. We're going to try to do it really fast, and we want to know from the community yes. what you guys think about that, because the last couple weeks it's been about an hour, and then when I did it, it was like an hour and a half. It's a long yeah. time to make our guests sit there and hear us. It's an awesome thing. <laughs> Everyone says they love it, uh, and that's great, but we're going to try to do it even faster. So just give us some feedback via yeah. comments on YouTube and that, that kind of thing. We're going for the ultimate quick this time so definitely do give the feedback on that and the thought behind this is this is the shortest it will ever be uh and of course we have the show notes linked everywhere like if you're downloading this as a podcast or on youtube or wherever the show notes are linked right there and you can literally you're like oh what was that thing i heard about and you can go and browse it and it's really well done with great graphics and stuff the show yes it's all on google docs anyways do an amazing job of that are we ready for this this I'm is in, the I'm five excited. minute this week in StarCraft. Let's do it. Every time we say something's going to go fast, it actually ends up taking forever. So I, I want to see you break. Well, watch, first. watch this, Jeff yeah. in control. All right, this week in StarCraft two. If you want to know any more about these, definitely check out the show notes. You see them on screen if you are watching in video form. Uh, PassionCraft Open Season nine. Take TV's Penthouse Party four. I saw that uh, Solar won that. Pretty cool. Uh, a laser with a nice run there. Too mm-hmm. as well. Uh, the WESG that. is continuing right now. Of course, Scarlet and Neeb were able to uh, qualify, I believe, right off the bat, but there's still tournaments going on. The Star Ladder Ultimate Series Big Money Tournament, that's actually starting tomorrow or the next day, I believe. Uh, the Wardy TV Summer Championship is coming up, as well as Banshee Tournament number six. Ladder Heroes with Fear Dragon is back. Beer Dragon, also a part of the 2018 TESPA Collegiate Series. Some actual pretty big names in there, like Jon Snow and Bioise. Uh, Afrika World 23, that's always a really star-studded tournament. I think that doesn't get anywhere near enough views, so definitely check that out. Uh, Of course, the legendary, the greatest, the best of all tournaments, the Pizza Pie, no longer bi-weekly, but weekly. Number 42. Can you see how many pizzas that they are? Wow. The, is, this, the guy that orders the pizzas for these people is going to be on a first-name basis with some of these pizza parlors. Star Killer 17. The dude's got to like, not win as much for the sake of his diet, maybe. <laughs> yeah. This is, it could get bad. All right. Uh, and then, of course, we have some upcoming tournaments. We have Home Story Cup XVIII. It's 18, and that's going to be November 22nd through 25th. No doubt that's going to be great. Uh, the Ting Open Season 5 qualifiers on Base Trade TV are coming up in the next couple days. The SCV Rush number 140 weekly tournaments. Of course, they've got all sorts of different ones that you can enter into for your skill level. Epic Land 25 in the UK. That's starting in like a day. So if you're in the UK, definitely uh, check out the show notes for that. And then, of course, we have a bunch of AI news. Uh, the Kings of the North ProBots Season 2 Week 3 is going on. Uh, and it's going to be on some Twitch channels. You can check that out. Also, the SC2 AI Ladder Tournament Season 6 is coming up in a day or two. Also, we have the DSL, or I think it's DSCL is actually the abbreviation of the Dutch Star League. I'm sure you're Starcraft. aware of that, Roddy. You going to be playing that, Roddy? 
Uh, probably yes. If I'm available, like I don't know the I don't know the exact dates, but yes, if the dates work for me, I will 100% play. Obviously. Well, there's the dates, right. Kevin. They begin October 3rd, 10th, and 21st and 24th in the finals of the first of December. Well, then the finals work, and I better win the first qualifier. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the Howling StarCraft Open Cup by Carowin. Check that out. That's uh, coming up on the 20th. And then we also have the Midwest Land 20 in Wisconsin. That's starting in the next couple of days. If you live in Wisconsin, definitely take a look at that. If you miss a land in your own home state, there's no excuse. Lands are so fun. There uh, you go. The Walks Weekly $5 tournament. I keep seeing BioIce's ID fucking, pop up everywhere, by the, the way. This is the new Hydra. Yeah, he's eating all the online stuff. And Bly, these guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, these fucking blue collar zergs out there eating the five dollar tournaments at a time. Like, <laughs> Starcade's gotten seventeen pizzas. These guys are the the killers it's out. It's pretty there. crazy. And to be honest, you live in America though. the The pizza pie weekly is worth more than the five dollar tournament. They need to add that on people's winnings on Liquipedia of your your dollar yeah. earnings and your pizza earnings. How many pizzas? I want to see pizzapieesportsearnings.com so that like, <laughs> Todd will to be talk. on there. Every time he's talking trash, because he hasn't won any pizzas, I know that much. <laughs> All right, also, we're almost done here. Ontario, StarCraft Two Land. Uh, that's going to be November 17th. Uh, yeah. And from there, okay, let's see. What else do we have? Oh, yeah, the show match that's coming up between you and me uh, yeah. in control. I'll we're going to do a what. little show match. It's going to be on base trade. What we're going to play playing? One game, huh? What are you playing? What race in StarCraft 2? Oh my god, playing Zerg. Ooh, I'm just playing Terran. We're not doing, we're not doing honors. I'm a good toast. I've been playing a lot of StarCraft 1 lately. I'm a little bit rusty on my Protoss, so we're gonna, we're going off race. (laughs) Should be fun though. I mean. Well, my apparently is absolute shit. I right? think <laughs> I think that's harder for Jeff though, if I may be honest. Because yes. I feel like for all of us Protoss players off race, you know, Zerg, it's not easy, but you know, you you, you go, you think, but then suddenly you have to micro marines, you're like, okay, what the hell is this? Like I have no idea what I'm doing. True. I'm okay with it. He's been playing okay. he's been playing StarCraft Remaster, and that'll be fun. I'm gonna play StarCraft Remaster tomorrow to get ready for it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, inside the scene number nine on commentary. Uh, of course, that is uh, over at the um, Yes Champ. Oh my God! I'm getting, yeah, Yes Champ. Uh, they had Zombie Grub, Fear Dragon, and Maynard on. And number ten, the Great SC Debate with Penguin. Definitely check out the Yes Champ stuff. They're doing great work. Uh, we also have katz's show the breakdown he's been having on a lot of uh pro gamers and going over stuff in depth so you definitely want to look at that that's if you're like an actual starcraft player that's going to be some of the best content you can possibly get turn off the pylon show now and go look at it yeah. i've watched some of those it really helps understand why people make certain decisions as opposed to just follow this build follow this style yeah why do you do that have you checked out a lot of nice usernames content by the way dan I I I notice that the content exists, but generally what he's doing is interviewing my friends that I already know plenty about, so I don't really oh. need to. Have you seen some of his other stuff he did? He did a little. Uh, he did a montage uh, of you actually. About how much I love StarCraft. Yeah, <laughs> it was well done. It was... I started watching that, and I just went like this, Jeff. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> We had him on the show. It was the one you were gone, unfortunately. And he, 
just to pass this on to you because he was very like he was worried that you'd be upset because it is very funny and good content but he he did not want it to be like something that made you feel bad so i'm uh, i'm a real human i'm i'm a flawed human i get angry when my fucking vultures don't move or something like that it's okay the other funny thing about uh, our, our lives though is we're on camera a whole bunch so you said these ridiculous things too where there's like a nice interview of you being like starcraft's just the perfect beautiful game. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then they can also cut to the other moments in your life where you're like, what a fucking terrible game. Uh, we've all been there. So, uh, and I know. stand by both statements. Okay? <laughs> life is not black and white. It's not simple. Okay. Right. Starcraft is both beautiful and terribly frustrating. And I'm sure Life we'll isn't get... black and white. It's salt and pepper. <laughs> yes. Mostly salt in, in my case. Uh, speaking of nice username, incoming transmission number 18 with... Nathanius. There's also a show match coming up. Uh, Parting versus Tasia. That's fun. What what year is it? Uh, We also have Pigs Icy Far going on. It's a base race challenge this time. Um, Being good now or being better overall. The Parting and Hero example, an article on VP Esports from Stuchu. Uh, There's also a Fear Dragon interview that's on akshonesports.com. Uh, who will be the next StarCraft II world champ? An article yes. on esports.com. And Dark Shrines, who the hell is this, is coming back on October 8th. Okay, and uh, so that does the StarCraft II news. Real quick, the Brood War. Uh, have at you. Number 22 finals occurred. Looks like Noob beat Eon in the finals there. The STPL round three is starting up. That's the Shinhan Tank Pro League round three, Team League. Uh, there's the bombastic Star League. That's a big thing going on right now in Foreigner Brood War. It's a nice ladder system. You definitely want to check that out and follow that. A lot of the top foreigners will be playing in that. Uh, the QCL Power Overwhelming Pro Team League. Also, um, oh wait, I guess I got to scroll down to these. That's the crank one with the funny names and the amazing teams. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's that's actually a StarCraft II thing, but... Yes, that's a that's a very cool team league going on. Uh, there's also going to be coming up on the 11th of November a big LAN in Moscow for Brood War. In fact, a couple of Korean players even flying into it. I know Rapids going there to commentate. I'm sure that's going to be absolutely awesome. Uh, there's also the Brood War AI tournament going on, the SSC AIT6. Uh, yes, man. What, what's up with this? SSCAIT6. I wonder super, what that even stands for. Starcraft I think the AI, I know the AI. The Student StarCraft AI Tournament. Okay. There it is. Uh, the, there was a ladder reset in Brood War, so you can definitely check that out. And so that's basically this week in StarCraft. Just a couple more things. We're doing the Pylon Show at BlizzCon. That's going to be a StarCraft one centered one. That's going to be really great. There's also tickets still available, I believe, for the backstage BlizzCon experience that you can have. Uh, if you are in that area for BlizzCon and you want to go backstage, and yeah, I think I guess, they'll uh, let you backstage yeah. into Day Nine's tent as well if you actually buy that ticket. So. Don't say that; they'll sell out in like two minutes, and then everyone will be so. Where's angry. the tent? <laughs> and the last thing we have here, which actually segues pretty well into things that we're going to talk about: Neuros Bronze to GM Run. 
Join Neuro as he carves a path from the lowest to highest league in the StarCraft II ladder. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But that's this week in StarCraft. That was the super speed run of it. And guys, give us feedback if if that was too fast or something. I, I like thought it was perfect. Yep, I like that a lot. Yeah. You missed the Ruddy Sub tournament, though. You did. Did I? Today. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Hey, was it solid 150 bucks, maybe? It's fucking wow. Money. You gave us 750 bucks? No, 150. 150. Uh, Ronnie, I specifically asked you if you wanted to mention here. I know, I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, now I'm getting paranoid, right? Because what we had Fear Dragon on right. last time, and he had a tournament in there, and somehow I missed it. It's the only thing I missed in the whole thing, and yeah. it was like I was throwing shade on the guy. And you're like, it's not in the notes, and we were scroll up, and it's just like flat out right there. You just... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to go fast. We try. All right, uh, that's really cool. And I thought that was great. Uh, again, let us know in the YouTube comments or post in the thread on Team Liquid. And there's usually a thread on Reddit as well. That's the places to check. If you say it in the chat, it'll just be like dust in the sand. Wait, dust in the wind. That's what I meant. And uh, <clears throat> it won't do much for us. So just please post there. Let's get into the topics this week. As I look at, uh, so, okay, so first one, I guess, is there was more balance patch additions. Mm. Was there even more, or is there just the same one we talked about? There was actually even more. No, there's actually even more now. Even more than before. What? I miss this. I miss this entirely. The Cyclone is the new bunker, man. The Cyclone is the new (laughs) bunker. They're fucking changing the Cyclone again? Yeah, it's not just changing it. It's a new unit. They may as well give it new graphics. Wow. I'd say it's the old Cyclone. It's a very, yeah, very old Cyclone. One. No, not the one that yes. you couldn't stop. Yes, that one. No, no. It's not the one that just locks on your Nexus and kills it, right? It's not yes. that good. No, it's that one. It's exactly those stats. Because the original Cyclone, they would run it up and just lock on my Nexus and go out of range. Yeah, my, no, that's the one. And then I'd be like, what is going on here? No, that's the one. They everything. I would chase them with yeah. all different army comps. And they would just be like... You're never gonna catch me. And they just like drive away. And, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it's like this annoying dance, and you walk away, and then they follow you, yes. and then you turn around, and then they drive away again. Well, that no, was it's fun. That, it's wow. that cyclone. It's that cyclone. Supply cost increased today. to four. Now here's my favorite stuff: movement speed increased from four point one three to four point seven three. Which, for those of you listening, that's a point six increase to speed, which is still more. Than the nerf to Hydras, which was a point zero three. I'm waiting Don't worry, for they 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 added to that Hydra nerf this week. Oh wow! Another plus point zero two. No. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, hang on. One thing at a time, because my brain's already blown up here. Uh, requires a tech lab. That's huge, by the way. Well, hang on, Cobra. I'm reading mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Cobra. Let's uh, no, put that on screen, by the way, so we can show what we're talking about. Uh, it's like in the old days where you have to research this one thing and then it just becomes super freaking powerful and locking on things. It's very squishy. Like, it only has 120 HP. So if you have a Phoenix and you have two stalkers shooting at it, like, it almost instantly dies. But, yes, what you said, described before, if you don't have a Phoenix, it's going to be that awkward moment where you chase it and they kill everything it's and you bad. run away and they follow you. So, yeah, that, it's back. It got changed really quickly, too, by the way. that Because uh, I remember that was a terrible, like, only one week, if I remember. And then they, they zapped it, right? It was, it was pretty quick that they got rid of that because it was literally, like, just people were walking up and killing my Nexus, man. It, yeah. was, <laughs> it, was, it was like a terrible week or two of, of fighting against Cyclones. And the ability autocast now, by the way, is what I'm seeing here in the changes. 
But uh, obviously, the one big change right now compared to the old days is that in the old days, we had a mothership core, and the mothership core is kind of a slow, stupid, and clunky unit. And sure, overcharge was good, but then they could go out of range. The battery, I think, is a lot better against it because either they have to choose to go for the battery and then stalkers have more time, or they ignore uh, the battery, but then obviously stalkers can get healed up. And as soon as you get either like an immortal or a phoenix, most likely, I think it's okay. I think it's easier to defend them in the old days. I like that. Yeah, I mean... You're talking about that stage of it, sure. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the stage where they just never stop making them, and there's like 35. <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's see. Colossus are terrible. Carriers are really bad now. What do we have to deal with that? Tempest. I'm sick. That's right. But if the Tempest gets farther... Is the Roddy build back, by the way? This is, this is a question that came up, if the Roddy build would be back with the new Tempest. No, because people don't understand that the reason why the Roddy build did not work anymore, or you know, the classic build, since he obviously did it in a match that actually mattered, <laughs> unlike my stupid ladder games, is that the economies have changed a lot. In the old days, you know, you started with six workers, so one base rushes were very different. It just the entire game scaled very differently. Now, since you start with twelve workers, by the time that your tempers start dealing damage. Like, it's less impactful if you kill SCV number 21 or 20 or 19, or if you kill SCV number 16, 15, 14. You know, those hurt so much more. So, no, that, that kind of one-base gimmicky stuff. I mean, obviously, you can do it half-style, and I'm sure you can do some weird stuff, but the old Ruddy build will never be back because the economies are just too different. Nero, from the perspective of Zerg, Cyclone getting this kind of a buff and going to this stage, what are you thinking about your games against the Cyclone in the future? I really liked the old Cyclone. It felt more interactive. For me, we call it speed mech back in the day because you would have Terran going for a bunch of Hellions and Cyclones, and it was more about maneuvering on the map and trying to snipe your bases and stuff, whereas traditional mech with a bunch of siege tanks is more positional of, I'm choosing to control this space of the map, and I'm doing that very slowly. So playing something like Roach and Fester is really fun against Cyclone Hellion, so I'm really happy to have that change come back. The current Cyclone on the live patch is more of just a really strong value unit where you just need to represent a big heap of stuff to be able to fight it. If you don't, you just die. So it's less interactive whenever the micro starts. It's more just about, like, did you bring enough minerals and gas to the field of battle and Ravagers? I, I felt that way about Cyclones for a while, even this more recent Cyclone, especially against Protoss, where it's just like this uh, like skill tester unit. It's like, hey, do you have enough to stop this? And then you either say yes or you say no. And then you either stop it or you die. And it's like, that's, it's like, oh no, I made two adepts. Like, oh, you're dead then. Okay, get the fuck out. Or it's like, no, I have, I have two stalkers and a shield battery. And they're like, oh, okay, I'll go home. Bye. (laughs) So I, I don't know. I feel like since the very beginning, I haven't been a big fan of uh, Cyclone and the way it plays out. Yeah, I didn't really have an exciting identity, but I do like the faster moving version because it creates a very different type of, matchup, especially for Zerg versus Terran. So the next change that's listed here is that battle cruisers are essentially going to remember their targets. It used to be that they would, if they're chasing something or like a, a group of units, they would just kind of shoot indiscriminately at whatever's the closest. Now it's going to pseudo lock onto something and try to shoot them, I'm guessing, not at the deficit of the Terran player, where like it'll go past available targets and not shoot at something to then get at what it was shooting at. So this is overall a small buff. It's just basically a smarter battle cruiser. Um, sure, I, I don't know that anyone will ever. There cannot be somebody. I mean, well, it, it is Starcraft, so there is somebody really upset by this. But I guess I, we don't have them available to talk. Um, so yeah, right. That's good. We have Nate on the yeah. show enough, anyways. Whatever. Nate's yeah, oh, that's fine. But he's like angry, happy about that. He's got to be. 
<laughs> one change. There's one change to Zerg that they're talking about. And I actually read this like six times. And I'm, I understand it because they tell me what it means, but I don't understand as I'm reading it. In the last test balance update, we changed the hydralis attack speed from 0.54 to 0.57 instead of reducing its health by 5 hit points. We still like the direction of this change, but agree with feedback that we need to go a bit further before this change approaches what a 5 hit point nerf would do. Thus, we'll be reverting the hydralis attack speed back to its heart of the swarm value of 0.59. So... Okay, so overall, the current Hydra that we have right now, this will shoot 9% slower, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what it comes down to, is it's going to shoot 9% slower. I mean, that's... That's big. Yeah, 9%. So the 0.59 is 9%, is what you're saying? Yeah, 0.59 is 9% slower than 0.54. Right, right around there. It's yeah, something along those lines. It's just attack slower, but still has the same amount of HP. I mean, yeah, effectively, it's... they're making it less lethal. Hmm. Yeah. So less burst. The thing with Hydras is the way that we currently use them is with a lot of Ling Bane in most scenarios, except for ZVZ. So to me, this doesn't really upset me too much. What has happened historically, if you're looking at older patches, is there was a period where Zerg could just rush Lair and do like a 50-worker hydral in. I'm sure Roddy played against this plenty. And it was pretty stupid. Like if Protoss did anything but one thing, they would just die to it. So they nerfed it then. And then now they're still trying to tune it back to where Zerg's mid-game isn't quite as simple as just spam Hydras. That's kind of what it feels like a lot of the time. So incentivizing more diversity, maybe more Rotravager, maybe more Ling Bane of an emphasis, but... Yeah, not too concerned about this. That's we'll fine. See. I'll be pretty sad if what goes away is the 15-minute try to survive against a four-hatchery, 50-drone <laughs> Zerg that has zero Evo chambers, no creep tumors, and it's just spamming Hydraling daily at me. And I'm like, because it's kind of its own little mini-game. I'm like, oh my god, this guy, he's trying to kill me before the game gets interesting, and I'm just trying to hold on to make it interesting. And then, you know, and if you win, they usually are very gracious about it, too. They're like, wow. Fantastic defense, good game. Um, no, they, they often go... Uh, my favorite lately has been What a Race, and I assume he's talking about Protoss. <laughs> yeah. I, feel, I feel like I've been through the ringer, and I'm like, wow, I'm such a survivor. I mean, if you're, not even, if you're not even going to upgrade Baneling speed against me, I don't want to hear you whine. It's like... <laughs> if I defend that, you got to get the fuck out of that game. Uh, we'll talk more about that with barcodes, because I think it's a good place for that. Um, Protoss changed. Cobra, start wrestling. Oh, no, there's okay. Uh, Cobra and I were wrestling over the mouse because he's in my computer right now. Dark Shrine. Shadow Stride research time reduced from 121 to 100 seconds. Shadow Stride cooldown reduced from 21 to 14 seconds. I personally think that that is great. Mm-hmm. It, it is uh, uh, one of the upgrades in the game that's really fun and explosive and good, but you don't see it very much because the cooldown is such crap that it's basically. This, however many DTs I have, this is the one time they get to do it in their entire lifespan. It's very rare to see the same DT blink twice. Um, I personally, and I know this is not going to come as a shock to anyone, I'd like to see it taken even further. Like, uh, I still think DTs kind of like the Reaper, although obviously very different, fit the same thing where it's like once they get blink, you don't. You're either way ahead and your plan is to kind of humiliate your opponent and jump on their army and do something about that. <laughs> it is nothing else. You're never like, oh my god, if I can just let Blink finish, 
then there'll be this counter to that thing they have. It's not. Like, it, it, it still comes down to do they have detection or not. The blink part doesn't change that. So I personally would have loved it if, if the blink upgrade gave them plus 20 shields or gave them a weird thing like the immortal armor or something. I'm spitballing. The, the point is, make it so that they become a part of an army composition because right now it's like DTs only exist if I can eliminate your detection. Otherwise, there's nothing that they do. Uh, they catch you off guard or they I eliminate your detection. This blink is a, is a move in the right direction, but I fear... And it's it's like it's it fits the exact same role. Nobody's like seven seconds off on the blink. Well, shit. Now I'm gonna start blinking all over the place. Nope, nobody said that. Besides SOS, he's absolutely yeah. gonna do it, <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna make it work. I agree with you, though, Jeff. Like I love the upgrade, but in general, whenever I research it, I kind of already know that I'm most likely gonna win unless something very weird happens. I rarely win a game. Because only Blink DTs just finished up or Shadow Strike just finished up. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is really cool. And this definitely triggers me to maybe get a little bit more. But I still have the same feeling. Like, I'm I'm going to get it if I feel like it's going to make me win. Because the biggest deal is right now that they're obviously very expensive. And if you play against Zerg, I mean, Bailings just absolutely freaking annihilate them. So that's obviously not really an option. And if they don't have Banelings, well, then the armies become a lot less scary anyway in general, right? Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I, I think someone like SOS, I am, this is not even to be a fanboy, but since he already, like, he freaking made it work in GSO Codes, and it wasn't even winging it, and he wasn't even ahead. Like, he became, or he got ahead because of the build. Yeah. If you give him this, I actually believe that he can do something with it. Uh, so I think we'll see cool stuff, but I'm also with you. Like, maybe maybe even a little bit more, but it's definitely a cool, a cool little change. It is, and I don't mean to take up the time and, and uh, be too overly negative about it, because it is a move in the right direction, but I personally would love the DT to have... And you know what? I'd be okay with taking this to the moon. Maybe maybe any change I'm talking about, you make it like at fleet beacon level, which is ridiculous, but whatever. Like a, a fleet beacon unlocks another upgrade on, this, on the Dark Shrine. It's just that DTs, like I said, literally fall into one category, and that is, Oh, we're in this scrappy 45-minute game. I've killed all your orbitals, and now I can kill you with DTs. With Blink or not, that doesn't matter. It's just they don't have detection. Like, the the Blink doesn't do anything. So, um, One thing that I think is really tough to balance, too, is the difference between common strategies and niche strategies and how a lot of times you can get one of those niche upgrades and then build around it. We can talk about this later with, like, the Catharsis and Roddy style specifically and how you can create a play style that makes it solid that... Perhaps doesn't work at the GSL level, but it could work in GM, maybe pretty high into GM. And that's a pretty cool aspect of the game, too. I feel like not everything sure. should be equally accessible and common. There are going to be some of those rare strategies. And you do have the advantage, too, of playing off meta with something that catches a lot of people off guard because they don't get to practice against it as often. Fair enough. Very true. You're talking the only guy that opens up Forge Expand still in Planet Earth. Uh, next up is the carrier. I'm without reading this. I'm going to assume they're like maybe we went a little bit too far, right? Yes. <laughs> Interceptor damage changed from eight times one to five times two. Interceptors will get plus one times two per air attack upgrade instead of one by one. Interceptor release periods change from 0.36 to 0.27. Is this enough, Kevin? Or carrier so- back? The way that this is going to work, I mean, if the build time is still as decreased as it currently is, I actually believe that like now the carrier is almost as good as it was besides Graviton Catapult. So the way that I see the carrier now is how we could see the Void Rays in the very old days, where sometimes you have to charge up on your own stuff before you fight, right? 
Like, mm. imagine if you do that with the carrier, you just attack your own nexus, all these interceptors come out slow, but then you switch it to the fight, and then they will still go mental because then they are still carriers. So it's mostly just that you can sit there and just, like, shoot them out one by one. But I think if you do a couple cool things, you shoot at some rocks or whatever, and then you just switch. Carriers are still good, and now you build them, like, 20 seconds faster. So this is actually... Uh, I think this is cool. I like it. Because at least they're useful. I mean, previously, the way they were on the test map, I mean, they were absolute garbage. Come on. Like, even queens could kill down the, uh, shoot down the interceptors. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. And that's, people do that in Brood War as well. They attack something before with their carriers before they go into battle, just to make sure interceptors are out. Mm-hmm. And there's little micro tricks where you can, like, attack your own unit but not have it deal damage, right? You give a move command real quick or something. Okay. Well, I mean, that's cool, right? That kind of stuff. I think we all like yeah. it. Anything where One you thing see that I, someone putting a thought in micro into something, I think we all appreciate more. Sorry, go ahead, Nero. One thing that I think is conceptually hard about the carrier, especially coming from a Zerg perspective, is that it is one of the most distinctly Protoss units. It makes Protoss feel powerful, and like it has that really advanced technology and stuff. So in the sense, you kind of want that for Protoss to be unique from the other races, to have a really powerful capital ship, but still keeping it interactive in a way that people feel like there's a way that they can work around it and work against yeah. it and that kind of thing. So that's mm-hmm. basically my strategy for patience with how the carrier has been changed over time is they're trying to figure out that role where it is that super strong Protoss unit, but not to the point where people stop enjoying the game once they have more than four, just in general. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, that's when I am enjoying the game, actually. With the change, <laughs> the, the big thing for me about carrier tech, it's interesting that they nerfed the carrier as hard as they did because the big one, was nerfing feedback as hard as they did. Because still, one of the best answers for carriers in late game is not ever going to be... Like, if you went carriers and they make enough hydras to run you over anyways, then, you know, no change there was going to do much. But it's the vipers, the infestors, like the, the spell casters that all of a sudden, if you have feedback that's doing half of what it did do, and it's not shutting those guys down, and they are abducting units, they are getting fungal growth off, they are uh, doing all the spells... I, I, I mean, know. feedback is still amazing, though. I, I, I don't think the power of feedback is that it kills the units. I think the power of feedback is, is that it drains all the energy. I actually, you know, I really like the feedback nerf because one thing that I've always hated is that sometimes, like, if Protoss get set up on four bases and they have, like, a good economy and they've set up and they have defense by Templars, then it's, like, better for Terran not to drop because feedback can just sometimes one-shot their medevacs or you have to, like, waste so much time stealing your own stuff. Like, I actually thought feedback was too strong. It, it always seems silly to me that sometimes it's better not to draw because your medevacs can get instantly feedback or, you know, vipers, if they have too much energy, they get one-shotted. I think feedback is still very good because I think the power of feedback should always be draining the energy and not killing the unit. So I, I think I'm okay with it. And I think a lot of pros are. No, really. I just don't even build casters against lots of high templar because they get feedback and killed on live patch so you go for like a critical mass of corruptors with upgrades instead because there isn't that simple counterplay chat you'll recognize this moment in time kevin doesn't fucking make templar he has 35 phoenix in every game and this guy's talking about not wanting feedback for the rest of the protoss race who don't make Phoenix every game in all three matches? Well, he doesn't like his Phoenix popping, man. Christ he doesn't like that. Almighty, holy! Amen. No, no, you know no. what's the I... best about Kevin's world, by the way? Is if we don't have feedback that's lethal at all, we make Blake stalkers. You ever jerked off for the thirtieth time in a day? You know how much satisfaction you get out of twenty through thirty? It's zero. That's making Blake stalkers. 
And it's literally like the first 10 blink stalkers you make feels great. Everything you make after that, you're like, what am I doing? What does this thing do? No. Oh my God, Kevin. No, I'm okay with it. Trust me. He's okay with it. It's fine, Jeff. No, I, I honestly, I'm talking about from a spectator point of view as yeah. well. The I don't like nerf is good for the game. It's not good for Protoss, but it's good for the game. Show's over, everybody. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. GG! <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is hey, done hey. with this. Uh, no, we'll see. It's interesting. I've obviously been... I mean, I, I'm not, I wasn't devastated when I heard about feedback. We'll see how it plays out. I don't disagree with you. And, of course, it's still a very powerful spell. Of course, draining all their energy is a big deal, so... I just, it was a little bit heavy-handed when we got those changes. We're like, let's get excited about post-BlizzCon. And they're like, guys, Protoss have been fucking winning some games. And we are sick and tired of that in 2019. <laughs> but hang on. It, anyway, I already did my rant. But, like, the, the literally, the Tempest was the only thing to receive a buff. Like, I was like, does the Colossus get better? And they're like, no. It's just more microable. And I'm like, does that make it better? And they're like, not really. And I'm like, well, what are we doing here? And then and with the Tempest, they're like, let's make it faster and more maneuverable. But half the health, half on a thing that already, if a corruptor fucking brushed up against the canopy of it, was just like, oh my god, it just died. And they're like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Protoss, like Protoss players are conditioned to receive nerfs, so no one's really freaking out because we're kind of like three dozen redheaded children kept in a dark room where there's just like a foot of water in it all the time. And they like open the door and they're like, Tempest suck! And they slam the door and we're just like, yeah, Tempest suck. Can I give a a brief reminder real quick? This is very refreshing hearing this Protoss perspective and all this, but for the viewers who are listening, so they don't get confused. The reason that they lose games is because they're bad. I know this because the reason I lose games is because I'm bad. Yeah. So we have this assessment of how balance is like a, a sine wave or whatever. It goes up and down for your matchup. But over time, if you want to be more successful, you focus on your fundamentals. So this balance discussion is totally valid, totally valid. But it shouldn't be the whole picture, especially when you're thinking about your win rate, for example. So you, the feedback change, it's a nerf. It could change your win rate maybe by what? Half a percent, if that, or less. Well, I choose to ignore my win rate because it would be too depressing to look at that. Uh, not for balance purposes, but because I'm terrible <laughs> at the game. I okay, like we can have a sad party if you want. I want to <laughs> lay, later. I want to introduce you to some of the logic that I had to grow up with, namely Artosis' Terran logic. That when we had like four of the most winning players in Broodwork ever all play Terran, he would argue, and this actually became the like established belief that so many people would say that they were just better than everybody else. It wasn't. It had nothing to do with the race or balance. Well, or that's. Okay, that's true in Brood War. Look, we can talk all you want, but... God, Jeff. Oh, my God. You gotta be careful, Rami. Everything you say... If, you, if, you, don't, if you don't think Flash is simply better than all all the players of all the races, then you're dumb. Yeah. His Protoss was ranked higher than every Protoss but two Protoss in the world in the ladder. I'm just saying. Yeah. He's better. He just chose Terran, though. You know, anyways. anyways. Onwards, onwards, Additional balance comments. patch. Additional comments. Last things here. Uh, they feel that TVZ and the strength of Butylus against both Bio and Mech need to be looked at. You would like that to be reflected in the balance, of course. Uh, the changes they're making, it's not. TVP early game with the strength of proxies. ZVP mid-game and the openers and compositions leading up to it. 
Uh, in addition, we'll continue to be looking at late game balance among all the races as per our initial design goals for the post-BlizzCon update. And they say thanks, and hopefully you guys all keep checking it out on the... Uh, what's it called? The PTR? Uh, yeah. PTR. Wait, did you really skip the gateway change? Oh, sorry, yeah, I did. No, did no, you wait. really Okay, let's skip talk about that? It. You're right, let's talk about it. The best Gateways... <laughs> Transform to warp gate will now be an autocast ability. Thank God, you know. What do you guys I think about it. this? I love that people like I, I saw a Reddit thread about it today, and it's like freaking massive. Like the no guy way. wrote paragraphs, <laughs> and I'm like, really? That's what we're upset about? Like, I'm gonna. I'm, I was recently at the Clash Starcraft Two Invitational, right? And I accidentally touched, or I was browsing on Lambo's keyboard. You know what happened when I tried to type a G for Google? It went. Brrr, like nine Gs immediately. I was like, oh my God, all these freaking European Zergs have like a repeat rate of like 0.001% or something. So they make units in like the blink of an eye. And then people wonder why they have like 1400 APM. Well, because of all these insane repeat rate nonsense. And then they, everybody loses their mind over a little gateway. Like, I think there are bigger fish to fry over here. Like, this game is spiraling out of control with all these macros and rapid fire this and repeat rate that like i don't know i feel like we got a little bit lost in all like where where is the line of like having macro keys or like having things that are not allowed and that kind of stuff because i don't know i find that a much more important topic than whether or not my gateway automatically morphs into a freaking warp gate who's who's losing their stuff over this gateway change it's purely a convenience buff yeah yeah what am i going to die to a timing now that i wouldn't have died to before because they forgot to Warp one of their gateways. <laughs> exactly. Really? Yeah. Yeah. If you did well. forget that, then you're just not paying attention. I think before we move past this topic, I just need to make kind of a PSA. If 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 this kind of change really, if you emotionally felt anything like really strongly when someone announced that gateways will auto turn into warp gates, um, more fiber, do some squats, <laughs> but mostly just get outside because this is just this is the first sign. Like, when your life really falls apart, you're going to need to look back and be like, God, <laughs> it was when the warp gate got the auto-cast okay. ability. I want to I defend the people upset about the warp gate for a moment. Yeah? <laughs> Why? Why? Is it, not, is it not a slippery slope? It's a slippery we have slope. observers go into siege mode now so that you can F2 your army around without fucking up your observer placement, okay? Not that I... I mean, siege observers can be interesting in certain ways, but, like... That is something because too many times Root Hero had all his observers fly into turrets, okay? And now we have the gateways auto, auto change. I, I'm just saying, is it not a slippery slope? My question or my counterpoint would be, is that a distinguishing factor of skill? Is it that why, why is Hero, why is Zest so good? It's because he control clicks his gateways, right? He control selects them, so it's all of them. And then he pushes the button, and then they all do this at the same time. It's amazing. It's it's a lot of little things, is it not? It's a lot of little things, okay? And in fact, like, the the more refined the game gets, it's all these little things lined up next to each other that makes someone so great. Mm. Like how he builds a pylon, and then he builds a gateway. Like a like a micro. You need it to power it. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I'm just saying, slippery slope. I don't know. I, slippery That's, slope. The, is, the warp uh, prism to me is where I see the fancy skill happen. It's not in the the gateway changing. So 
If you can imagine, in the debate world, we always took umbrage with the phrase slippery slope because it's like this really crazy concept of, because anything is, like any change at all at all, you can always just be like, slippery slope. (laughs) It's like, well, what are we really saying right now? So I feel like with this, if the fear of warp gates auto changing is that the entire game will become auto, guess what? The SSCAIT6 is already fucking happening. Robots are taking over, so just deal with it. Um, I will say one thing. When they had Inject on Autocast in the Legacy beta, that was one of the saddest periods in my life. Because it was a huge aspect of what it felt like being Zerg, and we only had two larva. That was pretty bad, so I would... would Please say, don't do that. Yeah. Don't I'm do also that. pretty sad when they did, like, you know, the thing where queens can just stack injects on top of each other, you know, and they can just walk around. That also made me sad. Yeah. Okay, that's still happening, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yes, that's much, that's still in the game. Slippery slope, right? Slippery slope. They're just stacking it them is, up. Though, like, I mean, things <laughs> get automated. It's funny because you, you talk about the gateway thing. But then Neuro's like talking about the inject. I totally get that, right? I play yeah. a lot of Brood War right now. The mechanical aspect is a very, uh, you know, it feels good to do and stuff. Like the gateways, it's not the most fun thing to do, but the more that gets automated, the less that you have to do. Come on, we have to do so much stuff in this game right now. <laughs> no, I know. It's always, it's like infinite. I know, right? But like. I, I get what some people are saying, but they're to what actually. What degree are we going to go? No, but they're actually talking about probably five clicks because like the first three you're obviously looking at and then most of the time you make like three more that you're looking at as well and then every now and then maybe one two three or four gateways are out of sync so you're actually in a 15 minute game people are upset about like the four extra gates it's like come on i I really don't think this is an issue also it's it's these it's not like the funny part about this that i kind of laugh at is if you're not doing these clicks, you're more likely doing more clicks elsewhere. It's not. I know that people have this weird thoughts about Protoss that we play with the game, like with our feet up on the table and we're just kind of like Enjoy smoking it. a cigar with two hands and just be like, "Well, my gateways are turned to warp gates. Everything's fine." <laughs> Usually, we're taking an oracle and we're braving the goddamn map to survive. This thing needs to find out every tech path, every expansion, and where that fucking army is. Because if we lose track of it, it shows up at our base, and guess what? Unless we have 300 shield batteries, we're fucking dead! We don't survive that engagement, do you understand? We have to see everything coming 10 minutes in advance and have more static defense than the most locked-in Terran single-player map number 4 you've ever seen in your goddamn life. So if we're not clicking on our warp gates, we're holding our crucifixes to our chest and praying that the the oracle can survive long enough to find out. Okay. Uh, Look, I'm gonna write you a sad poem, dude. I I I actually I have a poem for this. Please do. Okay. First, they came for the overseers, and I did not speak out because I was not an overseer. Then they came for the observers, and I did not speak out because I was not an observer. Mm. And then they came for the warp gates, and I did not speak out because I am not a warp gate. <laughs> and then they came for me, <laughs> and there was no one left to speak for me. And I'm a sentient hot dog. Thank you. That was really <laughs> there <nice>. you go. <laughs> All right. Mostly joking aside, guys. These are good changes. I, I do like that there is spirit debates about it. Uh, Kevin revealing there's a long thread of angry people about the gateway change is the darkest moment of my day, but that's still fine. There's, there's plenty of people out there that, um, 
are happy with this. So that's that's the first topic. Keep your eye on it. And then as always, by the way, they are responding to feedback. They end all of this with that. So if you do feel very strongly about anything, please communicate it uh, by playing, first of all, the PTR, and then also posting on like the Blizzard forums, Reddit. They read Reddit, believe it or not. I would just ask that you do so in a more level-headed fashion, just so uh, that your feedback is received. There you go. Next cool. topic. Um, we're going to go into some of the bigger ones, I think, right now. So real life and its effects on performance slash mood. This is a topic that we all can relate to. So I want to first first and foremost start off with that. This is not a... I mean, the fun thing about this is we can talk about it from the perspective of a streamer, a caster, a professional player, but it also has implications, of course, with people that are bronze for 10 years and just struggling to play or whatever, or people that play five hours a week or people that play 50 hours a week. It, it, it's everybody. Uh, but this is also a topic that Nero wanted to talk about, so I'm going to let kind of Nero further intro this and, and pseudo lead the conversation or where are we going with this sweet so i have a, a personal life event that happened about a month ago so i had a three and a half year relationship that ended and then if you're a live streamer especially a starcraft yeah. live streamer you're putting your performance on display for hours at a time every day and there's a number attached to your average performance over time so when stuff happens in life you think about your brain like a processor, you're processing stuff. Even if I'm live, even if I'm playing Zerg, I'm reading the chat, I'm memeing about, listening to music, having a good time, I'm not actively thinking about a life event that happened. There's a background process that's eating up like 10 to 15% of what I'm trying to process in the moment. And I get kicked out of GM straight up and I'm out for a week. It's not that I don't understand StarCraft anymore. It's not that... I can't figure out what a good play style is. It's just that I have something else going on at the time that's affecting my performance. As I process it over time, that's going to kind of fix itself. I even got some coaching with Pig, which really kind of added some clarity to my approach to the game and the way that I think about it. But that's something that is invisible a lot of the time because it's not always appropriate to tell everyone who's watching you or everyone in your work life this social event is going on, so I'm performing poorly right now. You just kind of shoulder that burden and push through it. You share it with your confidants and your friends in life who that makes sense to share with, but it's tough. So when you're thinking about a broadcaster or anyone in the world, know that they have their own really complex and dynamic quest in their life. There's stuff that's going on, and it's not as simple as you think. So be be kind about that. And if you see a streamer who's down, just as a, a general tip, it's better to pick them up than to kick them. Hmm. There are these people who come out of the woodwork. I'm sure you're aware of these people. When you're GM for a while, you get kicked out, and the voices of, why are you not GM? Are you losing it? What's going on? What happened to you? And it's like, you failed as a person, and you're broken now, when really, you're going through some crap, and it's tough and you're not clicked in, you're not engaged, you feel like you're not fully expressing yourself, and it's already hard just to kind of go down through that. So you don't additionally need people to throw vegetables at you while you're already kind of down on your luck. So that's that's the thing that is kind of a universal human experience. And with StarCraft, the beauty of it is that we have a very brutal number attached to that. So we get to ride it and see how big it is. So for an example, in my path, I went from being about 5.5K, and then I had this life event, 
I go down to around 5.2, which very clearly kicks me out. And then I get coaching from pig. We're back up to 5.6. So it's a downswing with a clear explanation for where that's coming from. Everyone's going to have those. So you should think about yourself as a player, not as I'm this MMR of a player. You're more like this MMR where it's plus or minus 300 or so, depending on your condition and your performance. I can, this is a great topic. I can talk a lot about, I'll start with a, a couple of funny, well, not funny, but it's interesting because I have a lot of perspective on this actually. Um, f- first of all, going back even further, I was a pro gamer in StarCraft 2 and, and this was actually super, this is, this was my weakest part of my, my game. Like as an adult who was becoming more of a, like, you know, I had a, I had rent to pay. I had a, a wife in a life, you know, like you have things that become really important taxes, that kind of stuff. Whereas when you're a 17 year old playing in your your parents' house, you don't think about any of those things. That those things, of course, can still come up, but it doesn't seem to have, in, at least in my experience, as much of an impact. But when I wasn't doing as well at MLGs, or I was still putting in, you know, 10 hour days, working really hard, but very public, right? EGs was one of the most famous teams, very outward facing. Um, so I had a lot of things like I want to play other games, but then there'd be people who are like, "Hey, why are you playing other games when at this last tournament you lost?" And the honest answer is I'm playing this game to get some escape and I'm trying to calm down so that I can then put more work into the into StarCraft, which is my job. Here comes the train, by the way. Well, um, but it was really hard. I did, did not deal with it very well. And this is also back when I was on State of the Game and stuff like that. And, and I was zero filter. So if I felt strongly about something, we'd have a funny rant like we just had 10 minutes ago, but perhaps with a larger audience or a different kind of audience back then, I'm not sure which it was. I just have more people that are like that fucking in control guy. What a douchebag. I hate him. You know, and there's still those people, of course, now. But when StarCraft was number one on Twitch, I would get hundreds of messages a week. Not not a day. There's no crazy story like that. Um, but but a lot. A lot. And people would just be like, I don't, you're arrogant. You're a fucking jerk. And you're, I hate you. And, and they just, like, reach out to tell you those things. And individually, that didn't really bother me. But collectively, it did. And I think if I was winning MLGs, I'd probably be able to feel, you know, if I had a balance there... I. Um, I would have weathered that storm better, but I didn't. And it really, really sucked for a long time. And it eventually became a trial by fire. Like the only way I kind of was able to come out of this better on the other side was you just feel like shit for a long time and you get abused by it. But then you kind of learn what attracts more negative attention, how to handle it. Friends and family are really important. So if anyone's dealing with this, again, as a streamer, like Nero was talking about, but if you're a pro gamer, this stuff gets to you and it is real. And I know that at least in America for us, I'm not sure, I'm not going to speak on behalf of everyone, but we're kind of raised in this world of like, if you feel bad as a male, just deal with it. You shouldn't, you know, you you internalize that, get over it because it's not a big deal, but it can be, and it can suck and it can drag you down. Uh, so don't be afraid to lean, lean out and reach out to people. Uh, and then kind of going off what Nero just said, which is amazing for me, uh, getting more recent, I'm going through something very tough right now as well, obviously with the splitting up with Anna and kind of changing my life that way. But I've had a few people that didn't even know that was going on because it's been going on for a year. And they just said really nice things in passing and, and to just give a name to some of these faces. Like uh, one of the most recent ones was Smix actually said a really nice comment to me about what this show has and what, you know, uh, how, how I've kind of conducted myself in the StarCraft scene. And it wasn't meant to be this like um, re- remarkable comment, but because I was down that day and she said that thing, it then motivated me really strongly for a long time um so i would just encourage people that if if you uh just like nero said kind of taking his point and extrapolating a little bit 
pick people up and don't kick them too much. And I know that's going to sound a little bit ironic coming from me in particular because my humor and the way I interact socially is very teasing and, and, and more of the not necessarily pick someone up. I try to balance that, but it is an ongoing process for me to learn too because uh, a couple of times, you know, obviously I've, I've gone too far with my jokes or whatever and my friends have been like, hey, you know, don't do that. I'm having a tough time. So interesting to talk about, I think. About you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the it kind of really resonates what you're saying, Nero, with the um, the back, you know, 10, 15 percent of your mind is actually just kind of going through this type of thing. When I saw what that this was like on the docket, though, I kind of took it as a different I, I thought it was going to be a, a, a different subject that we were talking about where uh, real life and its effects on performance and mood and like because um, like definitely I've I've had hard days you know I had my dog die this year and stuff and like that was a period where I couldn't really uh perform and I just lose MMR and stuff but for the more day-to-day stuff I find as well especially like um keeping uh your the, the way that your performance and mood are so linked right like I can tell before I get on the ladder and I'm sorry this is a little bit different no, from right. what you guys were talking about yeah. but like before I get on I will know pretty much how I'm going to do because my mind will either be like calm. Like if I can get my mind calm and I'm not really thinking about things, I know I'm going to crush it. I'm going to go up MMR. And then there's other days where I, my mind is just racing everywhere. And I'm thinking about too many things and like I can tell and I'm like, well, I stream, you know, I have a streaming schedule. I'm keeping to it. And then I log on and lose all my ladder points. And it's like, ah, damn. And it feels like, um, it's funny because I think that there's this oversold idea of having like a work-life balance that I don't think is necessarily uh, the best way to conduct yourself. I think going in big spurts of both is, is probably better for most people a lot of the time, Mm. but at the same time, like uh, I can definitely feel it sometimes where like, I'll be doing too much work. Right. And they're just the, the, the way that I can better perform is to actually take time off. Like for instance, Oh yeah have a day each week where I don't even try to, I try not to think about Starcraft. I mean, it doesn't work, but you know, so yeah, anyways, that's kind of uh, what I thought we were going to be going yeah. into a bit. More. We can talk about that some, because the, the concept that I think about there is the lead up to your practice and how basically when you wake up in the morning, you're working from your freshest state of mind where there isn't really anything on your mental desktop yet. And then every time you do anything, that is a part of your day. And that kind of occupies some space in your head. So you've got checking Twitter, checking email. You've got your early morning routine. You've got other people who are contacting. You have to handle something. You've got adulting like IRL stuff. All of that is occupying a little different space. And the more of that you have leading up to your ladder play, it feels like the less clear you are when it comes to focusing on what the opponent is doing. Because that's the really hard part, right? StarCraft isn't just you doing what you do it is you also kind of leaning forward and saying what are you doing as well and the more stuff you've been running through leading up to it the slower you're going to be and the less attentive you're going to be to what they're doing so what i do to check myself is i do a mouse accuracy training because that gives me a number of how jacked in i am with my mouse Hmm. oh that's interesting yeah, it's a funny evolution to watch streamers go through, uh, just not to speak too entirely on his behalf, but like Nathaniel, for instance, was noticing that he was becoming more stressed when streaming, and if he did it for too long, 
too many days in a row, that would be a problem. So he did a couple things, like he got a standing desk for himself just to be more healthy and have better posture while playing. But he also does a really good job, and if you follow him on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that, you'll see it. He goes out for a walk almost every day and goes and grabs a coffee or a beer or whatever. But it's funny how for some streamers, they you can if you're not doing that, you're just inside all the time. And that seems fine and good, and I think it is because I do the same thing for like five days. But god dang, do you feel it on that like sixth and seventh day, at least for me in particular. I'm, it's always like around Thursday and Friday if I've been home all week and streaming. I'm like, why am I grumpier today? You know? And I'm like, oh, that's right. I've streamed 50 hours already, and I haven't done much else, so got to like remind yourself of different things. I know, Kevin, that's something you run into as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I obviously agree with a lot of the things you guys say. I definitely agree with what Dan said as well. Like, I often say that StarCraft, or at least streaming StarCraft, it really strengthens my emotions, right? So if I'm either happy, then I feel even happier after the stream because I'm just having a good time. But if I do have stuff on the back of my mind as well, like Neuro said, I often feel like it can go even worse. Mm-hmm. And it's just all downhill. It's like three, four hours of suffering. And I've obviously, like, I've gone through it all as well. Uh, I do want to say one thing on maybe the defense of the viewers because I totally agree with what Neuro said. Like, I had this too, you know, a couple of times you have a really bad day. Like, if I have a bad day, I can bomb like 400 MMR in no time, right? Like, I can go tilt a little bit, leave a couple of games early. And I do get the questions as well, like, hey, Roddy, what happened with the MMR? What happened with the MMR? Why not GM? And some people, they do it in an annoying way. But on the other end, as a streamer, you also try to build up, you know, this connection with your viewers right and you try to involve them into your adventure and that goes for more than just the mmr you know obviously i had a girlfriend once too on stream and people know about it and then obviously for months if that's over people ask about it on one end i'm annoyed you know like what the fuck are you asking about it on the other end it's also you know I, i'm engaging them i'm taking them on my journey so it's obviously yeah. normal that they ask questions about the journey too and not everyone like for us a lot of things are clear and simple because this is pretty much all we do all day long these are people that go to university, they go to work, and then they're just like, oh, hey, Ronnie's online. Oh, well, Ronnie, what's up with the MMR? They don't know what the fuck I've been doing, right. you know, over the last day. So I, I understand where it comes from. I agree with Nora. It can be really frustrating, but, you know, it goes two ways. Obviously, you can't expect everybody to be as involved in everything Twitch-related as we are, right? And that's – I'm the worst at that in this call, by the way. I will take that champ- – I will take that torch and hold it above my head and run the marathon of the worst, like – uh, it, and I'm trying to get better, and it's something I know you've heard me talk about a lot, Kevin. Where like uh, some of these like stupid questions or these stereo, these silly stereotypes that I talk about on my channel, and Kevin and I laugh about. For other people, it's just like an honest experience for them, and they're not trying to be a dick if they're asking something like that. So I'm trying. It, it's a funny, it's a funny world when you stream every day for ten hours, but you're projecting out to people that, like Kevin said, maybe that's the first time they tune into your stream or any stream in a month. Like they have no fucking clue. They don't, they don't care if you've tweeted it. They don't care if it's on a bot. They don't care if there's a command that's in the title. And that's not wrong is the funny part for them too. So to go back to even what Nero was talking about, I'm trying to do a better job of like when I have a bad day or if I'm if I'm sad or grumpy or whatever. This doesn't work for everyone, but for me personally, I try to be really honest about it. I'll start the stream or something like that and be like, hey, I'm having a down time right now. I'm going to try my best to you know not take that out on you guys, but just know that's what I'm going through. And I will say... I do that at a sacrifice to the potential size of my channel or whatever. I think brutally honest. If you if you want nothing less than your sh- your channel to be the biggest it could possibly be, you kind of need to put on a show. You need to. You cannot necessarily be yourself unless yourself has some other edge there. Like there's of course a gray area here, but my point is, generally speaking, you can you should not be 
honest and even personable really with yourself on stream for the maximum um to to like appeal to the most number of people then there's funny things like play the most popular games have a rigid schedule stream all the time i'm not going to try to make it about that my point is when i'm honest and i and i run my show that way my channel i know that that's not going to appeal to everyone and i'm okay with that i think that's an important part of all this is like what makes you happy will ultimately make your stream happy and gives you the best chance to have the best mental health while streaming if we can take a moment to kind of celebrate some of the unsung heroes you've got moderators hardworking mods and regulars of a channel who follow you a lot and they notice those downswings and sometimes when you're in the middle of a game someone asks one of those really repetitive questions and the moderator or the regular steps in and answers it truthfully for you that it, it just saves us all so much energy and so much stress so as a broadcaster i'm incredibly thankful for the time and energy that people put into just keeping a close eye on the chat and saving you tons of energy and effort with that kind of stuff that it's no secret. Like we're public, we broadcast all the time. So if I just explained this 15 minutes ago and I'm in the middle of defending a two base all in, someone else can step in and answer that for me. And I don't have to juggle something that I've already done. It's funny too, specifically Starcraft, by the way, not to pat ourselves on the back too hard, but we'll do that from time to time. It's so funny how, if you are going through something mentally, how it literally does affect your StarCraft performance. And again, I know that's not just StarCraft, so if you're a top-tier CSGO player or Dota 2, I'm sure it impacts you as well. But I've had days where if like I'm having a really bad day, I'll do something in StarCraft and be like, that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. And you're like living a weird dream, like a lucid dream as you're doing it, and you're like, this is dumb, and it's terrible, and it's... It's so frustrating, too, because StarCraft is, like, we have so much of our pride tied up into it, and we're public, so when we suck and we know we're sucking and everyone sees us sucking, you're like, please nobody talk about what everyone's experiencing right now because that's going to hurt my feelings. (laughs) You know, Jeff, since you were talking about slippery slopes before, if I have days like that, you know, then I also start doing things while I'm saying I shouldn't do it. And it's like, I know. I'm like, I really shouldn't walk with four socks to the other side of the map right now because... Worst case scenario, he's got six, and best case scenario, he's got four, and I still can't win up a ramp. But here I go, just yeah. walk, lose the stock. I'm like, why do I do that? It's like I'm talking, with, but you just, you, yeah, it's slippery slope, man. Slippery slope. <laughs> and the funny part about that, yeah. too, is you'd think that if you talk yourself through that, it wouldn't then anger you, but it absolutely does. At least for me, I don't know if everyone's similar that way, but like, I'll be like, you know what? I think he's going to have missile turrets, but. I'm gonna guess that I'm gonna gamble that he doesn't, and then he absolutely does, and I do it anyways, and it rips my my face off, and I'm like, I'm so mad. I'm like, that was so dumb. Why I, I just said that, and then some of the chat will be like, you're bad. You're like, uh-huh, yeah, well, mm. I I mean, I think we all go through that specifically where I'm like thinking, I'm like. I shouldn't be doing this. And then I'm doing it anyways. And I, the thing is I've taught myself a little bit more to catch on when that's happening. And for my own self, I feel like the reason that that happens is I've already be having um, like a bad day and like losing games and something goes off in my head where it's like, Oh, if I play my legit actual style here, like if I try to play the macro game and I get outplayed, that's going to hurt so bad. So I think I'm like self-sabotaging when I'm doing 
stupidity moves and just then I can just be like, oh, that was stupid. I should have yeah. done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, that, read, I read a lose with my crappy two base zealot all in the let him out exactly. four bases. He doesn't right, yeah. satisfaction. Because <laughs> if I just get crushed trying my best, doing my best strat, yeah. then that's, that's going to hurt way worse than doing something I already know is fucking <laughs> stupid and losing. So, yes. <laughs> one of the joys of streaming, not only do you get to show mistakes to someone else, you get to show your really, really stupid mistakes to hundreds or thousands of people at a time. Oh, yeah. It's all there. I had 25 banelings, and I accidentally clicked the detonate button, and then the Terran shows up with their timing. I'm dead. And you all got to live that with me. <laughs> it's a painful moment, for sure. The good, the, the good uh, thing about StarCraft is it happens so often, though, that you're a little bit conditioned, right? Like, bad mistakes, I mean, I'm, I, I make them a lot so it doesn't even like affect me that much anymore <laughs> for me per- i know we all handle it very differently but for me like i'll leave my base but like, i think he's gonna drop me and then it shows up and kills me and i'm like well and then someone's like well, if he thought why didn't you leave why did you leave and you'll be like because i'm stupid i, I don't know <laughs> sorry you're saying something um oh i just i wanted to mention because uh like nuri you were mentioning i think and uh, maybe you were too, Jeff, about how like in the like you'll wake up in the morning and you have all these things you got to do, like you check your email and your Twitter and all uh-huh. these things, and it, it's adding to your brain. And I actually read a book basically about this that was like the probably the most helpful book in terms of practicing StarCraft that I've probably ever read called um, Deep Work by Cal Newport. And it's like ta- it it just kind of talks about this type of thing where it's like. Oh, are you gonna are you gonna do this seriously for three four hours or whatever? Well, okay, batch your life up a little bit better. Don't check Twitter and email right before. Uh, nowadays, when I'm about to stream, if I see my mind is really cluttered, I try to write down all the things I'm gonna do after the stream that are on my mind now that I'm trying to think about, and then just kind of be like, okay, that's written down. I put it next to my keyboard. We'll look at that after the stream and. Stuff like that helps, but I thought I think that that's a anyone that's this talk is really striking home for you probably yeah. get a lot out of that book. And to feed off of Dan's thoughts, I think we're going to segue into our next subject. But I just want to kind of thank you, Neuro, for bringing this up. And I, I actually think that these kind of topics are interesting because they're a little bit uncomfortable talking about how we feel and what's going on and real life impacting us playing a video game and stuff like that. And I know that for a lot of people, it's it's easier to just like kind of scoff and be like, "Nerds, what are you doing?" But just know that. Um, we're all fucking humans, like the, the guys on the show and, and the gals, and then also you guys listening. And it, I think it's really cool to humanize that and talk about shared experiences and talk about how we deal with it. And hopefully that can find some nice things for people out there that are going through similar stuff. And just know that um, those are the kind of questions, too, that, it, again, in the Discord or on a, in the comments on YouTube and stuff like that. If you want further discussion on that or you want to connect with somebody about that kind of stuff, we're out here. Uh, but we're real people, and this is StarCraft is like the game that we all love and anchor our lives around. But it doesn't mean that our lives don't continue to have ups and downs, and it affects how we feel about everything. So I think that's really cool to talk about. Uh, moving on to the next subject, which is a little bit similar but different. I, I say similar because I kind of, in my in my mind, think about this as a nice way to deal with the subject we just talked about. But the subject is respect for opponents and creating catharsis in your StarCraft II experience. And this is another one that Nero brought up. But I think this is a huge subject that this is where I would gather 300 pro gamers and be like, let's have a talk. Because this is something that 
I think needs to be said to a lot of people and talked about in front of so that they can entertain the idea of why this would be beneficial to them. But Nero, if you could again uh, introduce what you were thinking about this. So I'm super hyped that Roddy is the guest because he's probably my favorite example for this kind of scenario. But catharsis, for people that don't know it, is when you're finding some release for some emotions that you're carrying, some resentment or whatever, and then you do an experience or an activity and you let that go in a way that allows you to mentally relax about it. So StarCraft has a lot of asymmetry in it, right? Where someone is doing something and someone is doing something very different and the way they interact can oftentimes be unique. And if it's effective against you, it's often frustrating because we're super competitive and we want to win. So when you've got 15 Phoenixes that fly over your base and you have spores, but they still just pick up all your drones and kill all of them, you feel, you feel sad. You feel very sad. And that sadness is just with you. You're like, that was a good play. I mean, I lost, but I'm upset. I'm upset. I try to be classy and professional, all that, but I don't like to lose. So being able to take that, and we had a drinking stream on Sunday. I take that, and I, I love that Phoenix DT stuff. And I'm playing a 2v2 with Vibe against Pig and Libby B. And I'm swooping in with Phoenixes, and Libby B says in the voice, oh, this is rough. And I say, no, this is Rotterdam. <laughs> and I pick up all the stuff and kill it. And it makes me feel, like, relaxed. Like, I can appreciate the beauty of the style. I can see how it works. I get to do it. And then the next time I face Roddy, it's not about, like, ooh, I don't like the way he plays. I know how he plays. He plays in a unique way. And if I want to beat him, I need to play my very best and just play well and respond to what's happening. And it becomes a really awesome StarCraft experience where people say, well, are you just being sarcastic about your compliments? No, I genuinely believe that. If you've created a style that has been able to best me and it's my full-time job to play this game and stream it, I respect you, even if you can and rush me, even if you drop whatever into my base and kill me. Too bad. I almost just take it as the thought practice of like looking to appreciate your opponent versus blaming the game or even taking it personal the way they play. Because I think even just very pragmatically speaking... Sitting with StarCraft and getting mad at your opponents for how they play and not liking, you know, the balance of the game and stuff like that. I feel like that creates, and this word is, it's unfortunate it's become something so different, but like a toxic experience. And what I mean by that is just like, you feel bad, you are upset, you're probably more likely to lose, your practice will be not as beneficial, uh, it, it can ruin your day, you get up from the table and, and your mom's like, we made meatloaf, and you're like, fuck you, mom! And she's like, well, all I did was make meatloaf, and you're like, I don't care! And like... Weird stuff like that can happen, whereas, and this is not the easiest thing to do, and we all fail at this, um, but you, if you try to wrap your head around like, oh, my opponent did that shit, that's interesting, I'm going to break this down and think about why that worked, and like dive into it and kind of view it more from the perspective of like, they did something interesting and now I, I need to, to lab it up to try and do better, versus fucking... Tempests are so broken. I need them at half health. Ugh, you know, like that, that, that kind of thing. I don't usually, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? Topic? <clears throat> yeah, I know. Uh, this is, sounds really cliche, but just a long time ago, I, I decided that, like, I, I actually had an interaction with Dimaga once in 2010. And Dimaga is a really nice guy, right? And this is Roddy fresh out of his Warcraft days. And let me tell you, Warcraft 3 Roddy wasn't as mature as Roddy. <laughs> he was a little angry, Roddy, you know. I got people request to not sit next to me at tournaments really? because well, Todd, yeah, 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 Todd, but others too. Anyway, so I played against Dimaga, and I was like, man, 
I don't like, like, if I expand too fast without a cannon, I feel like he's just going to punish me. So I need these cannons, and then I just obviously face an army of, like, 200 supply roaches. And this is 20 times. I remember it so well. I'm like, man, I don't know what to do against it. And he's like, well, uh, you made all these cannons, so then I'm obviously not just going to attack you. I was like, but I need those cannons, otherwise I die earlier. And then he replied, okay, you're right. And I was like, wow, that feels so wrong, you know, like <laughs> sarcastically saying that I'm right, even though he before said I wasn't right. And I was just like, man, okay, like obviously this whining stuff doesn't work. And then obviously I had my ups and downs, but these days, like I have a pretty decent level, especially I think at my good days, I'm really kind of happy with it. But the guys that I lose against, they would still get murdered by Stats, Showtime, Neep, and Zest. So that's absolutely so pointless to whine about balance. Yeah. And I know the counter-argument is always, well, just because it's not the highest level, it still has an impact because there could be a guy that you can normally beat and then he doesn't beat you. Or then because of this change, he suddenly beats you and that's why balance matters. Well, maybe, but if you were better, you would still win. So unless you're actually at that level, I, I, I completely... I, I do not whine about balance ever. Obviously, I find things frustrating. Like, I find queens frustrating. I find Roach Lingolins frustrating. But I know it's not a balance issue. I know it's a personal issue because there are people who play the exact same race as me with a mouse and a keyboard that wouldn't lose against this garbage. So why complain it? I don't know. I just don't have that anymore. If you lost, it's because you messed up. Yeah, and I feel like it's actually fun. Like what you said as well, I think Neuro is just like, you know, appreciating. It's like, okay, let's analyze it. And you can always analyze it from two ways. If you really want to be overly nice, you can be like, you know what? That guy played really well. And sometimes I, I do have that feeling. It's like, okay, he just played really good. He did, 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 did. And you can approach it from the other side where it's like, you know what? I am the one who messed up. I should have done this, this, and this. And then he couldn't have done much. So there's always two ways to go about analyzing a game. And I actually find that so much more fun than being like, oh, stupid balance, Marines are too good. It's like, come on. You, you know that if Stats was playing, you wouldn't lose that game. So what's the mm. point? And we all know this, but Kevin lives this, by the way. And if not for any other example, then he plays against a guy on the European ladder named Mantis. And every game, Kevin goes, this guy's going to ling all in me. Literally a ling, bailing all in every single time. And Kevin says he beats him a bunch, and I'm sure he does, but at least when I watch, it's like zero and nine or something. It's like and and I I'm pretty good about celebrating my opponents too. I'm not really the kind of guy like I fucking hate the way no, usually I'm like, I made a mistake, they played well, good game. But if you, if you, if you, you see want the one on it would be a guy ling baneling all in me and it working every single time. Well, to his credit, did you see the most recent game on Fracture? No. That was a new variant, man. That was like a 38 drone hatch Ling Bane all in with 12 queens walking to the other side oh, of the map. Yeah. And not 8 Bane links, but like 48 Bane links. So I was like, you know what? I can appreciate that. That's He sprinkled in a few more drones. That. I like that yeah. he's experimenting. He's like, what if I... Yeah, it could, it's just so crazy it could work. What if I walked everything across <laughs> the map and just kept making Bane links? Uh, yeah, no. Dan, what are your thoughts? Because I know this is uh, this will be a tough one for you. <laughs> <laughs> not not that tough. Uh, I like what Roddy says. Where um, there's two ways you can look at it. Like you screwed up, your opponent did well, and truthfully, like if you look at it in both of those ways, that's going to be most useful for you. It's like things like balance whining or. Any anything in that vein is actually a gigantic waste of time. You're wasting your own time uh, because it, you're that's that's how you're not going to learn because you're putting the onus somewhere else. Whereas if someone beats you, you should look 
at two things. First off, what did you do wrong? Because you've always played wrong. Everyone always plays wrong every game. Uh, there's always some mistakes that you can find to fix, right? And then your opponent did something that found a hole somewhere in you. So it's almost like you should, you know, and I mean, I of course I whine and get upset and stuff too, but realistically, if you just kind of look at it and be like, okay, what well, what was that? I think that people get most frustrated when there's confusion as to what occurred, mm-hmm. right? There's people don't understand necessarily exactly. They might have some idea, uh, but when you are just instantly blaming something like balance or, or whatever, beer loss, that's going to be, it's just, it, yeah. So I feel like it just means that you don't know what, what happened mm-hmm. when you actually go back and look, you're going to probably find, and you'd be like, wow, that was way overpowered. And then you're yeah. going to find that there was a whole two minutes that you could have attacked him and he would have died. Right. Because he, he was too greedy or you're going to look and be like, Oh, I got supply block. I forgot about that. I didn't have enough units here, of course, because of that. So, you know, I've also noticed that, like, if you're sometimes, if you're very relaxed, right, and there's nothing in your mind and you're just having a good time, then it's obviously a little bit easier to appreciate good plays for your opponent as well. But I think it's it really has helped me feeling better about myself if I'm like, okay, you know what, this guy, you know, this motherfucker, he's actually just really good. He played well. But then if, like, two, three days later, suddenly you get him, it's more than just like, yeah, I won that game. But it's actually just like happiness and mm. proud, you know, like that takes over. That's like, damn, you know, I actually really respect that guy. And I've said it. I think he plays well. And that's so much better than like whining about the fact that he did, did, did this. Because if you then beat him, then it's more like an angry, like, oh, yeah, in your face. But that doesn't give you the same satisfaction as like, damn, I'm actually like kind of pleased with myself. You know, that I managed to get this one back because I know he's good and I've explained why he's good. And it actually, it just makes overall playing more fun for me. I really mean that. And I think in kind of conclusion on the subject, and that's why I was saying it kind of segues with the previous one. I feel like it's this constant, this discussion obviously has a lot of different places to go, but I think almost talking about it as like a default mental state is, is the best place to start with and, and kind of conceptualize it. Um, this happened with the, the BM talk too. People were like, well, BM, and actually that'll come up in the question. So I'm going to ask a great question about it, but like, is that mean there's never supposed to be any BM? No, no, no. I think in almost all cases of life, you shouldn't talk about things so severe, but in the case of this, if you start from a place of like, I love this game, I play the crap out of it, I respect my opponent because they did something I wasn't expecting, or like, I, I made mistakes, let's dive into the learning process and try to go from there, you're going to have a better experience more often than not, whereas whereas if you default from the perspective of their trash, I hate this, this is terrible, the game's broken... It's just very unlikely that people go from there to the next five or six games being like, these are pretty good. I like, I'm having a good time. This is, I'm pretty happy about everything. You're probably going to kind of continue to decline or you're going to have a generally bad experience. It doesn't, I'm not going to try to do like the, the dare thing where I'm like, if you smoke pot, you're going to be a prostitute. Like it's not, it's not like that. Uh, you don't have to have the worst life ever. In fact, you can be very salty and mad like Dan and have a great life, but um, you could probably give yourself a better chance to have a more optimistic and positive experience if you default somewhere in the realm of I'm excited, not even excited, but like I lost, what did I do wrong? What did they do so different? Let's take a look at it. I think it, venting is a part of the experience though, and everyone does it just kind of in their yes. own way. I vent as well. So I had a game against Pig on the Australia server where he went 13-12 against me and I had spikes the entire time. And my drones were all killed in the middle of a spike. And I told him in the game chat, go take a shower. 
because those MMRs are on your conscience forever now. You can take those 12 MMRs. I don't want those. Those are vile and nasty, and you should go cleanse yourself for what you did. And it's all in that kind of friendly banter thing, right, where I'm not attacking his character. I'm just articulating the way the situation felt to me, and we have great rapport with each other. So it was one of those things where I get to vent. What he did was vile. And we can move on to the next game as friends. It's all good. So there's a tactful way to communicate the way that you feel about stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think that uh, I think that like I, I can definitely go a little bit further. Like I obviously stand by everything that I said and what you guys said as well. And I, I really do truly enjoy the way that I currently approach StarCraft and playing. But I also think it, it's completely fine. Like I, I'm okay with losing, and I'm good at breaking it down. Two tra- games, three games. But yeah, at the end of the day, I'm a human being. If I lose seven in a row, yeah, that's where. That's where I kind of draw the limit. But I think that's okay as well because that also keeps the fire burning and that gives you, you know, some motivation and eager to get it back. And, you know, I, I don't want to be like all herpy there. Like, oh, you know what? Even if I lose 22 in a row, that doesn't do anything to me. Yeah. No, that does do something to me because in the end, I love this game. But yeah, there has to be some balance. But I think that's okay. It's just, it's important for yourself, whether you're a streamer or just a player or a pro player, that you find that balance of like, all right, how angry do I want to go? Where do I draw the line, right? Like, but obviously, I think a little bit of frustration is totally fine, or even a little more than just frustration. If you lose eight in a row, if that doesn't do anything to you, then I don't think you're caring that much, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was going to say, but you said it yourself. Yeah. If you're not frustrated, then you genuinely don't care. Exactly. A lot of times, people confuse my composure with that I'm not frustrated. A lot of times, I'm very frustrated, and you're just kind of concentrating your energy to keep that contained and stay respectful. But it did rustle your Jimmy Jim Jims, and you are upset, and you would have preferred it to not go that way. Oh, yeah. But you're you're kind of working to contain that. I think every time I can finish one of your bases, and I know that that's happening inside your body. I can feel it. <laughs> the life of a cannon rusher, we know. We can we can sense it. Um, cannon well, rushing is kind of hard. I try it when I off race. It doesn't always work. It's it's the, people dismiss some it. Would you say have to it's be the careful. Hardest part of Starcraft that you can do. It takes a true yeah. True genius. It, it takes class. <laughs> These are all the things I think of when I think of has. Uh, great talk, guys. Thank you very much. Again, if you guys have any further discussion about that, please keep it going in the comments. Next subject, and this one is a Roddy-centric one I've been wanting to have for a while. Uh, the European pro gamers have kept quiet in the chat, so you guys, your day is coming. I will find you, and I will bring you on camera, and we'll talk about it. But for now, it'll have to be Kevin on a soapbox, and uh, hopefully Nero or somebody can be a little bit of a devil's advocate. We'll talk about it. But it's the topic of ethics of being a barcode. Now, I know that that wording is going to rustle some jimmies because people are like, I can technically, I can name myself whatever I want. Don't tell me the ethic. We understand. We're talking about the concept of playing StarCraft while hiding your identity. Um, and we're not saying these people should be arrested. I mean, maybe, no. maybe Kevin takes Right to jail. Straight to jail. No trial. It's more of a like... <laughs> What does this do to the game? How do people feel about it? And then kind of how you conduct yourself and the pros and cons of why you would play on a barcode. I think that's the the most interesting place for me personally to take it because I feel, well, I'll talk about it after. But Kevin, this is your subject. What do you, you've, you've been very well spoken about barcodes. In fact, recently one had a few words for you too. Yeah, I saw it. you like that one, didn't you? Now it's funny, like because I obviously made a YouTube video about it. You guys can check it out on YouTube.com/slash Rodam08. I'm not gonna go on the entire 14 minute rant again. And I also like I thought it was really funny. I was like, oh, Jeff wants to be on the pilot show. I'll be on the pilot show. It's like, yeah, we're gonna talk about barcodes, so we needed you. And I was like, oh my god, I feel like I'm becoming the face of the anti-barcode campaign. <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe I'm going a little too far in this because like some people really think they can come in my chat and be like, hey, I'm a barcode and they think I get angry or something. Like, no, it's not that bad. It's just from the interest of the scene, I generally feel that barcoding makes the leather a lot less fun than it could be. And obviously there's a lot of arguments for that. I feel like StarCraft can already be lonely. It's more fun to play against names that you recognize. I don't even need to always know who I play, but I would like to know at least an account that I have a connection to. And that is obviously one thing. But my biggest reason uh, on my level, I generally find it unfair. There is just an unfair advantage in me having history with a guy, five, six games that he can go back on that I don't have. And then some people were like, well, you should just always scout in the same way. Like, that's weird. So you want people in a tournament, like if people play against Maru, should they approach Maru the same way as they approach TY? Because you should always play and scout in the nope. same way. To me, that's a very dumb argument. Now, now, obviously, I understand the argument of the pros, but I went over this a little bit as well. And it's like, when we talk about the pros, like how many are we talking about? Are we talking the top 10, the top 20? How anonymous are they truly? And then what, what I think is always funny is that they say like, well, they need to be able to anonymously practice on the ladder. I find ladder like the least anonymous thing out there. You know, people are streaming. It's wide in the open. Like imagine if the Seahawks are going to do like, we're going to do an anonymous training session. So we're going to wear pink neon suits, but we'll do it in the middle of Times Square. But no one, no one knows it's us. You know, like I find that idea so weird that those replays can be out. Now I had a little talk with, uh, Lambo hmm. and Lambo did make one counter argument that I can't really disagree with, and that is that he said he likes to be on a barcode because then he can always leave the league. There is no league history, he can't see his build orders. So then, if Neep comes to Europe, and even if he, you know, he wouldn't possibly be able to find an account because it's not in GM and you know, there's no league history and he won't be able to see the build orders. But then I said, like, well. What if the the games are still public, so they could still leak? He's like, yeah, but I'm not doing tournament games or tournament builds on my barcode. Then I don't really understand the whole idea of barcoding in the first place. So, you know, to me, it it gets a little bit weird. And obviously, I cannot say that, like, most people enjoy playing against regular names over barcodes. But I think there is a 70-30 margin, at least, if not 80-20, that people would rather play against actual names than barcodes. Doesn't go for everyone. I can't speak for everybody, but I do think I speak for a vast majority. And the last thing I want to say is that I think barcoding in the old days, when you know there were an insane amount of pros and were all very close to each other in skill level, I could get behind it a little bit. And I know that account sharing was a big deal. And obviously, if there is one barcode and seven people play on it, yes, that's truly anonymous practice at that point because then it becomes impossible to track. However, that is completely not allowed. Like for how keen Blizzard is on making sure that the terms of service are not being broken, why would they want to softly promote that, you know? Because that is probably the biggest strength of a barcode account if multiple people play on it. But that is just truly not allowed. So, you know, that is also not really a very valid argument, if you ask me. Nero, I want to give you first poke at this because you look very consternated. Yeah, one thing that I feel like would add a lot of uh, clarity to this is quantifying what you think the numerical advantage of a barcode would be. Because if you're talking about tiers of players, you're not going to go up an entire tier. Like if if I were to barcode, I would not be a 6K Maybe I would have 100 more MMR, 200. What do you think? How much MMR do you think a barcode is worth? I, I think that is a reasonable... I think that's a reasonable amount. Like I'm, I'm not... So? T- yeah, I absolutely I think for stylistic players. Yeah. Yeah. I think Nero's a macro zero, just as like the same kind of 
I'm no, but I, I definitely believe there is an advantage oh, for yeah. barcode players around my level, you know, around the, let's say, anything between 5.7 and 6.1. I feel like there is a massive advantage because there is a couple of Terrans that all play completely different, but they know they're playing me. I don't know which of the three I'm playing. And yes, I would like to have access to that information. I genuinely believe that it would help me a lot. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would agree with it as well. Go ahead, so you could say that the, the weirder someone plays, the more beneficial the barcode is. Abs absolutely. And the more standard they play, the less valuable it is. Yes, but there is always still an advantage because having info okay, on your opponent is, they would is cut massive. corners against an average because player. Because there's multiple barcodes, right? So you don't know yeah. if it's the standard guy or the uh, weird cheesy guy. That will give the standard guy a bigger advantage than yeah. just him in a vacuum being a barcode. So we agree it's a small advantage, but an advantage, I guess. Nura, it's felt like you were going to say more. We... Yeah, there are some people who are talking about streamers getting stream sniped and how a barcode is an uh, insulating factor against that. Personally, I feel like stream sniping is very rare, especially yeah. for people who are at a, a GM level if you're streaming. That's... The number of people who can actively stream snipe you is pretty small. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, it's just like StarCraft is so fast now. It's so fast that what are you actually going to gain? You could have scouted as well. What's mm -hmm. that? A couple clicks. You could have scouted the same what thing. What you gain watching my stream? Is what you mean to say? And I'm not even being like a balance whiner. There's less. No, I, I agree with you though, because the way that I play, I think is, uh, it's not valuable to stream snipe against me because I play so standard and normal. It's like, oh, he's going to do the normal stuff, drone his bases, get max, derp to derp. Uh, Kevin, I don't know if you have the same experience as me. I would say I very rarely get stream snipe. Almost never is what I would say. Same. But I feel like. Quite often, when people hit me on the ladder, they're like, oh, open up the stream. And, it, and again, it's not even necessarily to give themselves an advantage. I don't think they're doing it super maliciously. I think they're doing it because it's kind of fun to hear someone talk about you in the game. And I will be very honest, I've done it. Uh, not recently, not in the last couple of years, but in the past, if I'm laddering and I hit root cats or something like that and he's streaming, I'll be like, Okay, I want to see what he has to say about this dank can. You can just watch the VOD after, that's fine. Yeah, I, that's I do watch the VODs. No, I, I, I'm admitting something bad. I'm not telling you that yeah. I'm proud of this. I'm saying that I've been in my home and been like, I want to hear what this person's saying about me, so I open up their stream. Okay, I no, I... I honestly, uh, I don't have that feeling, and I really don't want to have that feeling either because I have the feeling that the moment I start believing that people are making good plays because they could potentially be listening to my stream, I feel like that is a very one easy one-way ticket to me becoming salty on the day, and I really don't want that. And I just think back of the Warcraft three days when I was like actually good. You know, in StarCraft, I'm trying, but I think in Warcraft, I was actually good. In Warcraft, there were way more map packers than in StarCraft. But I actually really enjoyed playing against them because all the guys in map pack, they were all trash anyway. Way. So in that way, it actually made for a good and competitive game. I'm with like what Neuro said. There aren't that many people that can stream snipe me. And of like the three, four hundred guys that I would hit on the ladder, I honestly don't think a lot of them have have evil intentions. I, I really never have that feeling. Mm -hmm. I never have the feeling I'm, I'm getting cheated against. I do believe that people watch the VOD for sure, and maybe some people. What I know is that like. If people beat me, they will open up the stream to see the first thing that I say about the game. Like I, I'm very well aware of that, but I never have the feeling that people listen to me during the game or actually streams like me. I, I maybe once every once in a while, I have the feeling I'm getting trolled a bit. Like today, I played a barcode. Or it was yesterday? I don't know. But I played a Zerg barcode, and the game before I played a Zerg with like five eight five zero. I played really solid, and I won. I was kind of okay. That was a good performance. Next game, I play. A Zerg that has like five one 
two five or something and he played amazing like he played absolutely freaking amazing right and he just schooled me all across the board and i'm like yeah i don't think i'm really feeling this one you know so i don't think he's cheating against me but i do believe every now and then i get trolled by people that are actually way better than the account they play on mm. that's the only feeling i ever get no, not cheating but i feel like people like to mess with me a bit well to bring it back to um the ethics of barcode for me the part that i can't get past is the again that word pragmatism of it or the kind of the practicality i absolutely agree that it makes the game more enjoyable for everyone if they're playing on at least some kind of a name and what's kind of funny about that is if you name yourself if i if i make an account right now and it's bunny fart 341 that is a barcode in the sense that it's me playing on a hidden identity but it's still more yeah. interesting for that person because at least if I then on that account hit them five or six more times, they're gonna be like, "This guy likes to go void raise, or this guy makes a lot of DTs." Like I, I'm gonna play my play style around that. And the reason I use the word pragmatism here is because in in 99% of the situations that you play StarCraft, the idea that you know the tendencies of your opponent and they don't know you is completely fabricated by this unique scenario alone. We all pretend we're tournament players, even if we're not. So the idea mm -hmm. is, like, if you go to a tournament and they're a barcode, that's fine. You still look at the person, know who they are, and can ask, like, where they came from and you have an idea. Or even if you have no idea, in that best of three, you'll learn. So they're not coming in necessarily super blank. And I know that someone's going to take this weird situation and be like, no, there's a situation where I program this Android. and uh, Fine, that, uh, cool, it can happen. The point is, it's it's niche, it's, it's very rare. And then on ladder, like Kevin said, if I hit... Um, like I have a, there's a guy named like Timus or Timus or something like that on the NA ladder. We're both Timorous. Timorous, yeah. Okay, we're both shit tier. Mm -hmm. He goes to U of Texas because that's in his clan. But I have like an ongoing meta with him. When I hit him, it's yeah. interesting because they've cheesed me a couple of times. So then I cheese them, and then we have these like back and forth different builds. But when I hit barcode after barcode after barcode, and especially the kind of frustrating ones where the the like dedicated cannon rushers or the dedicated like big cheesers. And it works again. And had I known that that's their tendency, I would have played differently. And yeah. they know that I don't know that, so they can play their way. Uh, it creates an artificial type of StarCraft that is less enjoyable, I guess. Well, have you talked about Pranath in regard to this? He switched out he's like, he, he did, though, but he still, like, that achievement exists. And he was basically living proof that you can cheese every game and you can still beat people because you sort of create your yeah. own space in that where you refine and you polish and... I, I think I lost yeah, but him those victories five are, games in a row. Those victories are worth so much more, though, because I think that is really amazing that people know they're playing against Printf and then he can make it work. That is awesome. Yes. But that is a fair game. Playing against that one Barker that Jeff just mentioned, it, like that guy has a meta with Jeff and Jeff doesn't have a meta with him. Like to me, that is, once again, I just don't see how that's fair. A, a big part of this problem, I think, that we need to realize is the way that StarCraft II does its accounts. First off, mm -hmm. just a really funny side thing is the font is what allows barcodes. The Chinese server, the L's and I's don't look the same. So if you try to make a barcode, it just looks like a bunch of L's and I's, and you can actually just kind of remember, like, yeah, this is little L, right? But we just happen to have this funny font that you can make a barcode on, first off. Second off, you only get one account. Right. That's that is such a big part of this. Like for me personally, my main account is a barcode because there will be long periods where like I'm traveling or I'm just not playing a lot of StarCraft 2. And then I come back and I 
I don't want to be playing on Artosis because I feel like shit until I get mm. the rust off, right? Yeah, I get but that. I only have one account, so it's like, <laughs> you know, I just I leave it as a barcode because in in previous iterations, right, I could just make a fresh account on like an IC cup or something, and I could grind that up and be like, okay, there you go. You know, I feel fine. Go back on the Artosis ID and, and go ladder yep. some more. But the way that this functions, it's it's like okay. I mean, there's there's a lot of things about it that that make the barcode seem like a, a promising thing. I don't need to tie my but, practice games. Well, here's to, my reply to that, though, because yeah. I, I, I think, and I'd be surprised if Kevin is saying this, I don't think that there's zero point in a barcode. I, I think we're speaking about the 85 to 90% of why people use it or how they use it. In your scenario of, like, I have an account, I don't, I'm a famous, one of the most famous commentators. If I play on Artosis and some fucking nerd smashes me, and is like, wow, you're really bad at this. And then they make a post on Reddit and then they tweet about it and they're like, look at this mm-hmm. fucking joke of a guy. Can we trust him with the GSL? That's terrible. It's different. I also tell people who have ladder anxiety, I don't necessarily tell them to make a barcode, but I tell them to make an account that doesn't have any friends on it. Nobody knows mm-hmm. who you are and go play games and allow yourself to at least try and not feel the tension of like, if people, if, if people see me on my friends list losing all these games and I have this terrible record, I'm going to feel bad about myself. So that can be a barcode as well. And in those cases, I'm fine with it. Uh, and, and and I agree with you is what I'm saying. It's like you're just doing it to, to get back. That's fine. I think we're talking about people that are like, no, no, I'm on a barcode because I'm hiding my practice. I think it's better practice. Uh, and then, of course, we can end with the delicious like cheesecake of a topic of just the people that are like, no, no, no I'm on a barcode because I'm an absolute douche nozzle and I want to be really mean to people. Because that's actually a category, by the way. There's people who are not brave enough to get on a name that's associated with them at all, and they just want to be absolute dicks. And it's so the best, though. The best is when they barcode and they BM you, and then when they whisper after the game and you go to reply, you've been preemptively blocked. That's like (laughs) that's tip top. That's all of it coming together. I'll give a. I do want to say uh, one thing because there's obviously so many different tiers and levels to the ladder, and when people barcode and when and like on what level it matters, so it doesn't matter, or if it's useful for guys like Showtime and Lambo. Obviously, that's and maybe I think a different conversation. But what I think is such a freaking shame is that the guys around my level, you know, the guys that are close to six k MMR, why are they barcoding? They are barcoding, but we barely know their real ID. And that's so stupid because these are the guys that, like, you're actually pretty damn good at StarCraft right. already. You're getting there. You're getting close. Maybe you're young. Get your name out there, man. Like, play against the Hero Marine when he's streaming. Play against the Muslim. Beat the crap out of me. That's good. That's how people get to know you. That's how you can yeah. maybe get invited to a Wadi or a base trade tournament or maybe a running tournament or whatever if I do stuff. It's like, you guys, you need to be out there. You want to put your name in the front. If you're just one of the million barcodes, you know, nobody knows. And that's such a shame because I feel like it can actually hold people back when they are supposed to break through. But instead, we don't even know who they are. Uh, one thing that keeps coming up, and Kevin actually talked about this, and I looked at the chat, and someone had brought this up as well. And I'm going to try not to do my normal Jeff Troll rant thing because this one does fire up the beast inside of me. But, like, this concept always comes up with this of, like, well, it's a challenge. You should just overcome it. Like, it's just another... You should always scout a certain way. It's harder for you. It, it's 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 a hyperbolic chamber of StarCraft. Let me be very clear. StarCraft is already the hardest game that you can sit down and try to master and play for long hours of the day. When someone else is taking it upon themselves, like 
that that logic is so hilarious to me. They're like, they're hacking. Well, that's fine. It, it's a harder game of StarCraft for you. Just kind of deal with it. It's like, no. They're create they're taking the paradigms of the game and they're shifting it to favor them uniquely. And it's not like I'm gonna go cry to the governor of my state and be like, this person needs to be removed from the world. But what I am gonna say is that's not fun for me. Like in Warhammer 40k, another game I play, if I played against someone with 500 more points and someone's just like, well, it's just a harder game for you. If you're a good enough player, you can overcome that. I would look at him and be like, that's fine. I'm just looking to play a normal game. I just want to play a balanced (laughs) game where the two of us go into the same arena and come out of it with the same tools and be like, we decided who was the better player in that game or who came out ahead from strategy. Like, that's what's interesting to me. I don't want to go to an arm wrestling tournament and there's a silverback fucking gorilla across from me at the table. And they're like, Jeff, it's a challenge, okay? Does its muscle fiber allow for it to rip trees out of the earth? Yes. But can you overcome that? Let's see. All right? Do it. No. I'm not going to arm wrestle a silverback fucking gorilla. Or I'm not going to play StarCraft underwater and have someone be like, yeah, it's just horrible. Like, no, shut up, okay? Like, I just want to play normal. Anyways, that's I'm getting ready. <laughs> so the... The flip side here is we're talking about barcoding and what it means, but the fundamental thing that would have to change is the people who actively barcode now would need to change their name for a reason that they felt like was worth it. Mm. So that's the the building block of this culture shifting over time. You have different mechanisms that you could talk about where maybe as an idea, you add a commend system where at the end of a 1v1, you have the option to commend your opponent for a good game. That's just kind of a way of allowing players to say more of, like, I liked this experience with this opponent. They were mannered. They were this or that. They gave me a good game. That kind of thing. No, I love you, but you know how. I mean, yeah. No, I, I do want to say one thing real quick is that I really feel that Blizzard could do so much more to also prevent this a little bit. Obviously, they don't really care that much. Maybe they do care to some degree. I think they care on the lower levels, but at the same time, they want to be protective of the pros. But when, you know, when you talk about the pros, I feel like out of the 100 barcodes, like two of them are actual pros and 98 are the guys who call us a motherfucker and tell us we're fat and ugly, you know? Well, no, obviously not all of the barcodes, but I wish there were a couple of things. Somebody suggested a while ago, which I think would be super fun if you could see like rival stats on your profile, you know, if you played 12 times against Ford Bunny or however you call him, I would love to see like, hey, he's like a rival of yours. Now you can see history. I think that stuff would make that a more personal, super fun. That'd I be pers- super cool. Yeah, right. That would be awesome. I personally would really, really, really love to see the MMR on the loading screen because in my opinion, that would already make barcoding a million times yes. less impactful. Yes. And, and the counter argument then is that some people say like, oh, no, I, I wouldn't want that because then people might just give up or I would feel demotivated. I mean, obviously, there's always a reason to do something because some people are in favor of it. Some people are not in favor of it. But I, I think that's weak, that's weak-minded by saying like, oh, no, I wouldn't want that because then people are just going to leave. Make it optional for all I care. You know, make it optional. You want to see the MMR of your opponent? Yes, you can. You don't want it because it freaks you out. Turn it off. Like, I feel like these are minor things would make the latter a million times more awesome and would make barcoding at the lower levels, I think, less impactful. And, and once again, I just want to give a tiny a little last statement is that since there's actually money to be earned right now on the ladder, you know, with Little Heroes and it's a Blizzard-sponsored tournament, I don't care if the barcode advantage is like 0.1% or 5% or 10%. I think it is undeniable that a barcode player has an advantage over a non-barcode player if they have history that one person can tap into and the other one cannot. If there is money on the line that can be made throughout the system, 
I don't care how big the advantage is. In my eyes, that's not right. Mm. Nero, anything else? Storylines. Everyone has their own storyline with how they've played StarCraft, how they've gone from, in my case, bronze to GM, and how that process is ongoing. And there's a lot of rich history there, relationships you make along the way. Players you meet, and maybe you start out kind of abrasive with each other, but then kind of figure out an equilibrium, and you become friends. Like, all of that is really, really awesome, and it enriches the social aspect of the game. Like Roddy's saying, already it's pretty lonely to do 1v1. So being able to have that mutual respect for a peer and also to kind of know your history. Like, I know, Roddy, you've beaten me, like, what, the last three times we played at least? And that's uh, that's part of our story. But I've beaten you sometimes, too. I know, people I know. People know that. And that's yeah. a fun back and forth where people get to see that interaction develop over time. And yeah. it enriches it for everyone, even people who aren't pro gamers, because yeah. you build that story. Yeah, especially as, as long as you're, like, respectful and nice, uh, like, in building up a relationship. I really have a lot of guys. Like, just the other day, there's this guy called Matisse. He's a Zerg from Poland. I've known him for a while. Uh, he definitely beat me a lot in days, and now I actually beat him a couple of times. But it was a little back and forth, and then we had a game on Cerulean. He beats me, and I'm not that close with him, but then I told my stream, I was like, you know, I made a mistake there. I really think if I would have just waited for plus three hour friends and pulled back a little bit, I think could have won. Somebody's like, well, why don't you try it? I was like, oh, okay, I send him a message and be like, hey, uh, Matisse, you wanted to do a resume from replay real quick? Take a man, because I feel I could have won the game. He's like, actually, I think you could have won the game as well, but let's go ahead and do it. Like, that's really freaking cool. Yeah. I don't have that kind of interaction with a barcoder pretty much ever, because most of them don't even accept whispers. And the other ones tells us, like, why this is why the game is dead or you suck, you know? Like, I feel like that's most of the interaction I have with the barcoders. Yep, that's another part of the pragmatism argument that I can undeniably not get away from is how much more fun it is when I'm laddering and I hit Nathanius or I hit Rotterdam or something like that, and or Nero, and I know, I'm like, okay, this is more fun. I've got a meta with them. Their stream's on, my stream's on. People are getting excited versus you hit a barcode, and that could be a fantastic player. It could be someone that's even known or not known, whatever. But everyone has a general same feeling of like, Jeff, what kind of opening are you going to do? I'm like, well, I guess I'll go Phoenix here. And they're like, okay, let's see the Phoenixes. And then... It works or it doesn't, and that's you know, and then we move on to the next game, and it's just more. Yeah, fun. it's so. less fun, and in the end, we're trying to make this as much fun as possible, right? And once again, I really don't want to be the face of like Mister Anti Barcode campaign. He is the face. Yeah, I, I know. I you became are. the face, yeah, and I, I don't really want that title, but I, I do feel strongly about it, and I also understand some of the arguments of the pros, but the biggest argument is the account sharing, which is technically not allowed, so I don't think that's a very valid one. I understand Lambo's argument of saying he doesn't want Neep to come to the European server and see the last 50 games he has played when he leaves the league. Like, okay, I do understand that, and it can be a lot harder to find it, but... You're talking about such a small percentage. I feel like a lot of the other arguments still stand, especially, and this is like my biggest thing, is like if you're a young up-and-coming player, don't do it, man. Get your name out there. Like we want to get excited over you. I want to get to know you because I want to be able to talk to you about events and, you know, maybe that can get you somewhere. Just don't do it. It's maybe not even young up-and-coming players these days, Kevin. Like that's the other thing too. Let's not pretend StarCraft's... Uh, it's doing great and it's been doing better, which is incredible. But let's not pretend that we have this luxury of like hide your identity and reveal yourself at a WCS. If you have a bad year, we'll never hear from you. But if you have a good ladder and you make some online tournaments, those things congeal together and create what could yeah. be you being sponsored or you being invited yeah. to things and it becomes more amazing. But if you hide to give your a identity, couple details ahead. for maybe viewers who don't play super regular and don't know. StarCraft is free to play right now. You can make an account and you can skip past that like 
you're building up into getting ranked if you just buy a campaign or buy a war chest for your race. So if you want a fresh account, you can do that. It's like 10 bucks. Additionally, every season you can change your name in your Battle.net. If you log into Battle.net in your browser, you get one free name change per season, which means you can keep cycling through different names if you're worried about creating a new reputation or you want to do like a fresh start kind of a thing. You can do that every season. It's not a big deal. And I, I want to say that as well. Like, I'm absolutely not against people, you know, calling themselves uh, Pink Bunny or whatever and just having zero friends because you don't want to lose under the name Artosis. Like, hey, I have that too, obviously, you know, everyone that I wish. Like, eventually I always end up playing on my accounts anyway because I have no self-control. But, you know, there are some moments if I go to BlizzCon for two weeks and I come back, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, this is going to be one of those days where everyone is going to be very happy when they meet me on the ladder. So I do understand that, and I think it's super totally fine to have that one account where nobody knows who you are, as long as you just have a recognizable name, so at least your leather opponents can get familiar with you, you know, know who they're playing, and it's just a little bit more fun. Just and anything other than, yeah, a million barcodes. As long as it's unique, that's that would be so nice. Well, hey, that was a good talk, and thank you very much for for having that, guys. And uh, again, if you have any thoughts, <laughs> let us know. But we're going to move it along. This is... We got a couple more topics, and we're going to get into the Discord Q and A, uh, which again, it's been that's almost kind of like this week in StarCraft. It's been like it's never a shortage of questions. So I do have a couple that I saw in the non Patreon only that we'll definitely mention um, some good ones there. But we'll get into those questions. Uh, next topic is the GSL slash WCS, the Road to BlizzCon signature series and barcades is being advertised right now. They just came out with specials. Uh, signature series videos. These are fucking top notch. We will talk about this each week. Um, the again, hit exclamation notes in the chat if you're not sure about you know the links for this kind of stuff. But generally speaking, it's coming off of that StarCraft Twitter, uh, and then of course the uh, Blizzard website itself. But these are amazing. This is really good content. And if you're just a fan of StarCraft, and I know that anytime you ask someone to kind of the average person, if you're like, hey, click on this couple of stuff and watch this thing. Most people don't do it, and I get that. But this is going to give you context to these players. This is amazing quality, and this is going to help out the people that make this because the more views they get, the more traction it has, the more likely you're going to see more content like this. So please watch it. I don't know who's mic's on. Special editor's note that uh, Dan makes an appearance in this upcoming episode that's being released tomorrow. Okay. Can you imagine that? Our toast now you're really going to watch it. Video, yeah. Um, God, I hope you talk about how beautiful the game is, because that would just... <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> is it happy artosis or angry tosis? But do what you can. This, this is a call to action, by the way, guys. I, I know that I, I give these spiels quite a bit, but like if you look at the video, uh, each one, it's a, couple ten, it's a couple thousand views or whatever. I'll tell you what. These are the best content like per minute that you can get in the world. It's well, crazy how good these little stories are. I have true, but it's many. Oh, it's not true. What's better content per minute than the these best signature content series in the videos? world? You per minute, a video of fucking special is the best content in the world you can think of. Per minute, yes. Give me a better per minute content value than that. The Roddy stream. Oh, does Jeff have nothing to back <laughs> that up with? Oh, I thought no, so. Anyways, one of those few moments the where there's so many examples that I can't pick one. So I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah, that must be it. No, it's like it's a two, three minute video that it, some of these videos are so beautiful. Yeah, like, they are very just. They will they will motivate you to play. They will sometimes they'll make you cry. They'll 
get you excited about BlizzCon. These are like required viewing. You should go through and yeah. watch every signature series video. I Never. mean, instead of Netflix, check check this stuff out. It's crazy how good they are. Yeah, they are really good. Uh, absolutely. I, I love it as well. Every year, it's like a little highlight. When it's like, okay, I'm already excited for BlizzCon, and then you watch a couple, you're like, oh, I already like that guy, but now I like him even more. Like, it, It's just really cool. And then there is going to be a barcade, and I think there's multiple going on. This is the only one that's going that is being advertised right here, but Friday, October 26th, and Saturday, October 27th, and Sunday, the 28th, uh, in Burbank, California, ES Champ is hosting the Pubcraft, they're calling it. So it's going to be a bunch of people getting together to watch these games. If you've never mm-hmm. been, it's super fun. I know that this is like stating the obvious, but if you go to one of those kind of things as a StarCraft fan, you're going to be surrounded by like-minded, passionate people that also like that. Um, and I know it's kind of funny, too, because for a lot of people, they're like, I'd rather be at my computer and quiet and alone. That's okay. I'm not saying that's the wrong way to do this, but I would encourage you to experiment and try this because for me, as someone that, again, likes this quiet time and likes to be at home doing whatever I want, I've gone to a few bar crafts. I've gone to some of these, and they're amazing. You make friends. You eat good food. You hear other people talking about StarCraft, which is an otherworldly experience. Uh, it's just really, really cool, so make sure and check this out. And uh, if you're hearing this and you're inspired and you want to organize one, there's a pretty good chance that uh, Blizzard will advertise it for you if you get it together in a week or so, uh, really quick. That's it, right? You guys got anything? Cool. Yeah, you ever been to a bar craft, Nero? You ever been to a bar craft? One thing that I would talk about with that social event is there's a lot of stuff in life where you feel like, ah, I should probably do this. I don't know. If you just get out the door and go, a lot of times when you're there, you're like, I'm glad I did this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. be aware of that. Sometimes the hardest part of going for a run is committing to put your shoes on. So true. take a risk. It's it's dangerous going outside, but you're tough. You can do it. Yeah. It's worthwhile. I only got to go to one bar craft, but I had a great time. It was super, super fun. Yep. And hanging out with Tasis doesn't count, but it should be a bar craft. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> Such a stupid joke. Anyways, last topic. The Afrika Star League Season 6 is shaping up. Dan, tell us about it. Yes. Well, we're in the round of eight halfway through so far. Uh, and it's it's like pretty darn star-studded right now, right? We had Last, who won KSL. Uh, he's in the round of four now, so we'll be getting a direct seed in the next season. And, I mean, if he wins KSL and then two months later wins ASL, pretty that's insane. Uh, he'll be going up against Effort, who was able to take out Rain. Looks like our show notes have that off a little bit, but um, that's amazing. Rain, obviously, the, the StarCraft II legend. He won the last ASL, but got eliminated here in the round of eight by one of the best Zergs of all time. So it's going to be Effort versus Last in that round of four. Whoever goes to the finals out of that, that's crazy. Now, the other side is like uh, kind of, well, part of it's normal, right? Flash is over on the other side of the bracket. He's going up against Mini, a really strong Protoss. That'll be next Tuesday. Uh, and obviously, this would be Flash's fourth ASL victory if he wins it. Um, but that's that's a super hard match, him versus Mini. I think this almost decides the tournament. Because uh, if Flash wins there, I can't see him being stopped by anybody. Uh, but then the other the other one is Shuttle versus Action, which is Action's kind of like the ultimate, ultimate underdog, mm-hmm. where he has... He's basically been respected. Like, he was on Eastro, right? So I've known him for, like, 10 years. And one of the first things that happened when I moved in the house, everyone's just talking about action. It's like, yep, this kid, all he does is practice. He's the hardest worker in esports and stuff. And uh, that's been the story forever. He got out of the Army. He's 
apparently he's back to his old practicing routines. And here he is in the round of eight. Like he he won the group that had Flash and Jadong in it to get to the round of eight in a first scene spot. So yeah. yeah, in light too, which is he's no slouch for sure. Um but yeah, that's he, it's it's just kind of an exciting thing. He's going up against Shuttle, who's he he's the ASL season one champ, but he hasn't had a great run since then. So uh it's it's pretty awesome. We're we're in a good spot right now in ASL. It's a very exciting bracket. Good stuff. So that's your brood war. Mm-hmm. Excited to hear Dan Tasteless, No Regrets, and Rapid Cast that as well. So all we'll tune in and check it out. That's it for our topics, and uh, just thank you everyone for being awesome about it. I've been looking at the chat. You guys have been keeping the conversations going on there. It's been really fun. Um, we're going to move into the question segment now, uh, but before we Yay. do, I want to give some shout-outs to our sponsors and, of course, talk a little bit about what makes the show stay afloat. One of our big partners is Matcharino. Uh, you should always check them out. They've got cool merch on there. Basically, any idea that Cobra has, is there's apparently a shirt or a mug for it. Um <laughs> This is the Pilot Show show match. It looks really serious, uh, but it's it's good. Um, you can also type in a code, and the code is Nero. So N E U R O. It costs you nothing at all. I believe you don't even necessarily have to have an account, but don't quote me on that. Just type that in. I think you have to have an account, but anyway, it gives money to their our pool, uh, and you can do it multiple times each week. Um, and it just lets Matcharino know that you're checking out their website, you're checking out their stuff, and you're supporting the show. So if you don't want to sub, don't want to donate, don't want to do, be a Patreon, but you do want to contribute with non-money ways, that's the way to do it. Uh, speaking of Patreon, that's the other and uh, primary way to support the show. We really appreciate everyone that is a Patreon supporter of the show. Um, Cobra wanted me to make a note that we are switching to... It's going to take money from you guys at the beginning of the month so that Cobra can then have a better idea of showing the graphic of who is a Patreon supporter by the time the show rolls around. Um, so if that inconveniences anyone, I apologize. Uh, that is our reasoning behind that. And we're very close to 2000. We want to get there so we can, um, that, the goal there is that we make enough to then pay our guests. So please help us with that. Um, we've been in a little bit of a plateau, if you will. So if you're a, if you're a Middle Eastern oil tycoon, and you're listening to me and you're saying this, eh, What's a couple million dollars? You know what I mean? Like, what? what is that? Um, what is that really when you could be paying these wonderful people? Look, look at Kevin. It's like 5.30 in the morning. He's had six Red Bulls, nine bottles of wine, and he's still here. Okay? Amen. And Nero lives in Hardcore. Austin, Texas, which is going to be the site of the zombie apocalypse when it does eventually happen. So please help us pay these guys while their time on this earth, albeit limited, can be a little bit more joyous as they talk about StarCraft for you all. Let's get into the questions. So the priority Patreon questions, uh, If again, we give this spiel every time. If you're, a pir- if you're a Patreon, you can ask us questions. We will answer all of them. I'm going to once again give this PSA, and some of you will ignore it. In fact, probably for the rest of your lives, please make the questions short. Gunner, I'm looking at you so hard right now because I see you're the first question, and I, I recognize it's only two sentences, and I appreciate that, buddy. He says, here's my apology for the last question from last week. How are you guys? I'm alive. I'm sitting in a chair. How are you? Kevin? Doing great. Are you doing great? Doing great. You can tell me. Mm-hmm. I had a great great day of streaming. Had a great weekend in Germany. I'm doing great. Great weekend in Germany. Dan, how Dan, are you missing your family? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you yeah. for asking. Oh, I became an uncle <laughs> yesterday. There you go. Yeah. Really? Congratulations. Yes. Yeah, my brother oh. got his first son, so that was very nice. 
Oh, yeah. here's the crazy part. His his nephew's name is Jax, J-A-X-X. Really? Which was the name of one of my characters in roleplay, by the way. But is also, Whoa. literally, J-A-X-X was literally the name. But also, my brother, so Kevin's older brother had a kid. My younger brother had a kid. His name is Jackson with an X, J-A-X-S-O-N. And that was my main in Mortal Kombat 2. That's so sick. Yes. Neuro, that's what's your connection? Yeah, that is the one X. That's true. What? Neuro's dad's name is Jackson. This is so insane. <laughs> anyway, no, it's not. It's James. Close enough. Gunner, thank you. No but that's worries, short man. for Jackson. You're not is it though? <laughs> is it can though? I can I give you one one thing? You know, yeah. there's a human cognitive bias called credulity, which is our tendency that. to naturally believe and trust what other people say immediately, and the did it though? Is it though? The reason I think that's so refreshing to hear and it's a meme in our community is because it directly confronts that trust where a lot of times people just straight up lie or they exaggerate. Is it though? That that helps us. It's a cognitive tool. It's funny, but it, it's science. So thank you. Wow. That's why we I never it. thought that something Jeff made up would be helpful, but it is though. It happens sometimes. Is it though? It I'll is. Yes. <laughs> buy the mug to support that as well. If if you believe there's 28 of them left, be one of the people to own that. Uh, hopefully, we'll see some pylon show uh, shirts at BlizzCon. By the way, if you're attending BlizzCon and you don't own one of these shirts, <laughs> I'm not saying you feel guilty or bad, but you know, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> if you do, it might be okay. Should they though? Should you though? Uh, Melty asked, Jeff, if you were a probe and was told to build a gateway, would you build two or just one? Thonking, he says. Um, if I was told to build one gateway and, and I am a probe, I can only build one because that's what I was told. There you go. Bum, bum, bum. Broodweiser says, do, do pro players make more money from prizes or from salaries? That's a fantastic question. That is a good question. Um, uh, I think a different day and age. Yeah. So I think a, right now, obviously, you go to two player. Yeah. yeah. I think they make more from prizes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kevin, what were you saying? Sorry, I cut you off. I mean, I think like if you were to ask this question in 2010, 2011, the answer would have absolutely been mm-hmm. salaries because back then the salaries were way higher than they currently are, and people forget this often. But like in 2011, like some, do you guys remember that really sick MLG? I think you guys are probably there, the Jinro one. I think the overall price pool for that tournament, that entire tournament, was like three like, k or something. Yeah, no, it was maybe like ten thousand or something. But overall, like general, one maybe yeah. like three thousand dollars. So I think back then they made a lot more salaries. These days they make a lot more prize money because some of the tournaments are just outrageously big. But there's also some other games like Jeff said again, where I heard salaries in Counter Strike can absolutely be nuts, like very very high. Yeah. But yeah, then again, if you win TI, you win millions. Yeah, no team is paying millions. So. And it's also depends on the pro gamer, right? Like Cyril, you would think, well, gosh, he's so good. He must be making $10,000 a month. No, he's not from salary. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And this year has been a $200,000 year or something for him. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's not even close. But also what Kevin said is true. Generally speaking, and I'll just throw out numbers right now because I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but pro gamers this day and age in StarCraft two, a good salary is anywhere between $1,000 and maybe 1500 but very few are getting that 1500 end of the spectrum. I would tell you most of them are closer to 1000 if not less than that. Um, but back mm-hmm. in 2010, like Kevin's talking about, actually not so much 2010, it was more like... 2011. 2011, 2012, 2013, that area. 
myself, I was getting six thousand dollars a month, um, and then I know people Damn. that were getting ten, fifteen, twenty thousand. Um, not twenty, fifteen. Excuse me. So a lot, a lot Crazy. of money. Um, Hedgy, by the way, thank you very much for the gift of subs there. So yes, uh, interesting talk, but yeah, generally speaking, it's prize pool. But if you're also a player um, on a team and you're not winning tournaments, which, by the way, in StarCraft 2 is really hard right now, right? It's like four WCSs, Challenger, uh, an IM or two, and then a bunch of online stuff. It's harder to accumulate that kind of money. So, Kurnovsky asks, when Bike Rush owns, literally the only regular CNC streamer in the world, said that he was depressed because EA had murdered CNC. This is Command & Conquer. Some guy in Twitch chat accused him of disrespecting people who suffer from actual depression. Because being sad over a computer game was nothing compared to dealing with real life problems. Is it though? Uh, this is a great question, and I think we're going to turn it over to our our house psychologist Nero with that. Uh, that's yeah. It's kind of a little bit awkward because on the one hand, depression is an issue that we're still trying to figure out from the brain science side of it. It is not a fully solved puzzle. So how depression works and what you should do to fix it is kind of on a person-to-person basis. It's really complicated. Another thing is a lot of times people use more casual uh, instances of a word rather than that they're meaning the medical term. Like it's not saying I'm officially diagnosing myself right now with depression and saying that it's because of this game. I'm guessing that it was more of a figure of speech. So if someone is offended by that, you can engage with them and say, what I meant was I was saddened by this and I'm very crushed. For people who don't know, depression is more of like a reduction in your energy level. It's not a strict sadness. Sadness is like a a deep emotion on the negative end of the spectrum, but it is still a vibrant emotion. Depression is kind of like not being able to feel like anything is stimulating at all. And you're kind of losing that energy momentum. So that's, it's a new issue kind of breaking down depression and how it works and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it seems like it's, it's a little bit overblown. Streamers are not oftentimes experts in really anything aside from streaming. People assume this of me. They're like, are you a therapist? What do you think about this? I don't heckin' know. I'm a Zerg. Yeah. I make bugs. You know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he wasn't saying he was uh, clinically depressed about that. And that he was just speaking <laughs> as a human being. And yeah. that maybe people should try to not be offended every time anyone opens their mouths. But also, technically, I don't think anybody else can judge whether or not he has the re- he has the right to be depressed over that. Yep. As silly as it may sound to him, I mean, I, I'm going to go obviously here with Atosis that I know by Grush a little bit. He's not actually depressed, and obviously depression is very serious. But there could be a world where he would actually be depressed. Sure. So who is a bystander then to say whether or not he's allowed to be depressed about that? That is very weird. I'm offended by that. Tell that guy. And that's why I kind of default to what Nero said, and I think it was almost underrated. He, The funny thing is, I agree with Dan, I agree with Kevin, but as a public figure, and this is getting a little bit away from this question, but not really, by person's a streamer as well. Um, if someone's like, I don't like your use of that thing, you have to kind of pick your battles. Um, yeah, of course. I would, the easier way is always to be like, yeah, you're right, I'm not saying I'm clinically depressed, I meant I'm sad about this, and then you move on from there. If you go up on the hill of like, it's my right. You don't know. You, you can, and you're in your rights. And I actually, like I said, my private opinion is I agree with Dan, but I would warn people the easier path, generally speaking, is if you don't feel super strongly about something, move on. Because what you're asking for, too, and I agree with, is for people to be less offended. 
But in a kind of funny way, if you bite that person's head off, you're the one who's also being offended by them picking that. Um, but again, you could probably turn on my stream tomorrow and there'll be an example of someone saying, Jeff, I don't like your use of the word penis. And, I'll be, and instead of being like, I'm sorry, I won't say penis anymore, I'll probably tell them I fuck their mom. So, uh, take it for the, the great assault that it is. We can't all be winners all the time. I'll try to do better on uh, Friday. As a quick PSA, we yeah. find a lot of sense of community and friendship with our streams and stuff like that. But if you have a actual condition, you should get professional help. Twitch chat is a place where you can vent and you can discuss and stuff like that. But you shouldn't expect a long-term professional solution to the problem right. unless you're talking to a professional. So go do that. He's absolutely right. Other than stepping to my channel, it'll fix all your problems. Still not asked, hey all, this one's for control. I completely understand if this sort of thing is confidential, but given your experience organizing and hosting, could you give some vague estimate as to where a typical event becomes break-even, both for organizers and for sponsors? Also, is there anywhere I can find out who the guests are going to be uh, so they can ask more ethics questions? Generally speaking, we're going to try to do a better job. That's That falls on me. We know our guests sometimes a day or two in advance, um, but I, I will try to make that more readily available to you. To answer your question real quick, uh, and you guys can chime in as well, of course, I think it's funny that this isn't more well-known. 99% of events lose money. They do not make money for the hosts. It is not a big, big thing. After years, it can get to a place where they break even, but where they make their money is in advertising for those events. So, like, <clears throat> go ahead. Yeah, yeah. What you said is fundamentally true, but you have to look at who is it making money for. Like, for instance, a WCS circuit event will make money for DreamHack, but lose money for Blizzard. Right. Blizzard is paying DreamHack to put that on. So it just it matters who you're good point. Who you're talking about, I guess. Good point. Yeah. Bl um, DreamHack becomes like the facilitator of those things. So like Blizzard pays them. Uh, I don't know the deals, of course, with Valve and stuff like that. But the assumption is a lot of those game devs pay them to have that game there. Um, and then there's peripheral sponsors, there's energy drink sponsors, clothing sponsors, etc. They pay to have them advertise there as well. And then even after all of that, they generally take that money and reinvest it into paying their employees, making another event, going to new places, all that kind of stuff, travel. They, you know, DreamHack flies in like 150 or 200 Swedes or whatever the fuck it is. Now listen, Swedes take up a lot of, a lot of beautiful space in planes. They're expensive to fly around the world. So there you go. They're tall people. They're tall, beautiful people. Have I said enough that I like Swedes? Hyper Turtle. In, the, in this epilogue, Kerrigan said that she had to cleanse the blood from her hands. Do you feel that she was successful in her penance? Well, Nero did. A lot of times stuff like penance and that kind of stuff, it's more you just trying to figure out your own conscience, right? Because the impact oh, is there. You, there's no mulligans and takesy-backsies with stuff like that. So a lot of times it's about doing some gymnastics to make yourself feel better. Making a positive impact is good, and that kind of stands on its own. But it's not like it erases what happened before. It still happened. You'll not forget that Kerrigan did kill a lot of people. Kevin, how are you with Kerrigan? Do you feel like she's... Mate, I don't give a fuck about Kerrigan at 5 a.m. <laughs> so Thank you. Next question. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Condog902 asks, Artosis said that a lot of Brood War pros play games by request by a website... I feel like I'm getting this wrong. Is there a place to go for StarCraft II fans to crowdfund show matches? Should there be? Are you kidding me? It's Matcherino. It's our sponsor. I've been telling you about it every week for 24 weeks. It's true. Oh, my God. Ah! There's a lot of crowdfunding that goes on in Matcherino. That's quite literally you what it is. You knew that, right? 
Yeah. I'm just going to take a moment of sadness. You have for to you. know that, otherwise, they're not going to sponsor us anymore. You. Condog. Well, this is a, a great bitch. time to, you know, reiterate that. Yeah, if you go to Matcherino, you can find show matches, you can host them, you can you add to the prize pool. The Banshee Starcraft League is entirely crowdfunded by amazing people that give money to their prize pool. You can contact Zombie Grover. You can go to Matcherino. Wonderful website. Next question. Broadadidia. Hey, guys. Do any of you enjoy craft beer? If so, what kinds slash brands? If not, do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage? Great question. It's unfortunate. Rotterdam comes from Europe. They don't have anything like craft anything. Um <laughs> Dan comes from Connecticut area, so they only drink Hefeweizens. And then Nero is from Austin, Texas, so all he does is drink craft beers. What's some of your favorite, Nero? Well, I'm more of a red wine person myself. I like beer quite a bit, but as a personal physiological note, I don't have a very effective burp reflex. So if I have too many beers, I start to, you know, like, just float away. And then I'll get stuck on the ceiling, and I can't get down. Oh, I thought you were, like, like, trying to... Was the beer good? And I'm just stuck. I'm stuck on the ceiling. So it's like maybe it was tasty, but I can't get down. So generally stuff that's not carbonated is going to be okay. my go-to. It's it's late. For I, also, I also can't burp. So what? Uh, I actually am a red wine guy also. What do you mean that's, you can't burp? You'll almost never catch me drinking more. It's than a wine. rare subset of people, and there aren't really any major health complications, but I've Googled it, and there are people out there. They're like, me too. I can't. I Hero, can't. Are I you just, a vegan? I Come on, dude. Sorry. That's a terrible question. I wouldn't have asked that in Patreon question only. Wait, did someone actually ask that in no, Patreon? No, I was just question? wondering if there was a link between veganism and not being able to burp. Because um, that's all I got. What? I don't think so, no. All the people I... I Nero is now the second person I've met like me. That we just can't burp. Okay. Wow. I don't know. I just... I burp weird, less than one time per year. I just don't burp. I don't know why I did. <laughs> I can see it on Kevin's face. I got to move past this question, guys. There are dozens of us. I mean, I what can I say here? I mean, I, I can burp. I'm sorry. <laughs> AGM McLeod says, while we haven't seen many strong RTS games over the years, what other RTS or strategy games have you enjoyed? Are there interesting ideas slash mechanics that you've seen in other games that could be further explored? You guys like other RTSs? Uh. I try almost every RTS that comes out, and most of them are just awful, just terrible, terrible yeah. games. Uh, in recent years, Tooth and Tail was a really good game, really well made. It just doesn't have a very big scene, uh, but I really enjoy that. I think it's a very cool RTS. Yeah, you, you're a mouse and you carry a flag around, and the other mice follow you. That's true. It's <laughs> pretty sick. Uh, that I is mean, true, I think- yeah. I think Jeff only likes to play with space aliens, guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's way too into the lore, if you ask me. What were you saying, Roddy? No, I think it goes for all of us that we would love to try them and yeah. we'd be very open and eager to it. But I still remember when Jeff and me went to uh, PAX South and we got the first look oh, at the Grey Goo. And God. I thought we were watching a replay at uh, 0.5 speed or 0.25 speed, actually. But they're like, no, this is the game. And we're like, oh, yeah, it seems a little slow. And it's like, well, I actually thought... That game would have had some potential, but it was just so freaking incredibly slow. And there is just not any. I mean, I still like Warcraft 3, of course. Uh, Brood War is just, I've never played it before. I can appreciate it, but for me to enjoy it, it's just, I can't do it. Like, I, the, the mechanics are just impossible for me since I've never done that in the first place. So, Warcraft 3 is still good. What I don't currently like about Warcraft 3 is that, I mean, I'm that old, grumpy old man. I really like the old maps, like the maps that I always yeah. used to play. 
And now they actually got a bunch of new maps, but I think all of them kind of suck, but that's probably just because I'm very bad at them. But other than that, yeah, there is just not much to love out there in RTS world other than StarCraft and Warcraft for me. Yeah, mm. I agree with everything. It's unfortunate. Um, I did play Total War Warhammer 2, and that's a pretty refreshing yeah. game. It's different pacing from StarCraft, but I think StarCraft and RTS kind of has the problem that WoW had with MMOs, where you can't beat the amount of time and money investment and polish in that game. So if a new game comes out, you're comparing like a super amazing fast motorcycle of a polished game to some tricycle that they just turned out and one of the wheels just fell off. And it's like, conceptually, if you did enough to this, it could be amazing. But we play StarCraft a lot of times in RTS for the competition. Yeah. And if you don't have that same energy there, it doesn't really feel like the same competitive RTS experience. Even if conceptually, if you put a ton of money into it, it could be a good game. Agreed. All right, this one's a little bit long. <clears throat> Cake Machine asks, as Roddy is on the show, if you were a cupcake being served to a pro StarCraft II player, would you be more concerned about the dryness of your sponge requiring your consumer to get a beverage of your moistness, or, excuse me, your moistness causing the younger players such as Rainer or Clem to wipe their chocolatey fingers on Mum's sofa? What well, sir? I'm so lost. Would your concern be that an older player would require a beverage to consume you? Or that younger players would probably wipe the chocolatey goodness from your body as a cupcake on the couch of your mom. I've got nothing to say. I'm, I'm sorry. I am so lost in this question. I, I honestly don't know what the hell. I thought like it was going to be some weird question where like, who would I like to eat me or something? And then like, I don't know. I could have maybe gone somewhere, but this really doesn't make any sense to me. Sorry. I think My brain sentient, cannot compromise. I have to agree with Kevin. I think the sentient food questions have finally began to eat themselves. I don't think there's <laughs> yes. quite a, a good answer to this. Cake Machine I'm, also asked, does Tasteless play either of the StarCraft games? If so, what sort of level is he? Uh, well, right now he has this wrist issue that he's had for over a year now. Uh, he is getting lots of treatment for it. Um, before that, he was playing a good amount of Brood War. Uh, Tasteless is a good RTS player, so... Mm -hmm. He can do well when he's playing, but his wrists have been messed up. Kiwi asks, how would you place the current era of StarCraft II within StarCraft's long history? Is this a golden age? Critical moments of players tend to describe eras like the Bisu build, Boxer, MVP, battles between Jadong and Flash. Therefore, how important is Serral in StarCraft's story? Great question. Legendary? Almost too good, I would say. Yeah. It's definitely one of the biggest moments, I would say, is right now. We're living through history in StarCraft. I think if Serral wins BlizzCon, it'll be one of the single biggest achievements, in my opinion. In the, I mean, in the I, history I want to actually just say it is actually the biggest, is what I want to say. Yeah. For a lot of yeah. people that don't know, if you haven't been watching, like StarCraft has almost always had BlizzCon in some shape or form, and they've actually almost always sent a foreigner there, and it's always been one of the best, and they've gotten slaughtered every time. Uh, the last couple of years, we've had good runs, and everyone talks about, like, um, a laser's run and special. But a lot of that, too, was a little bit... I mean, th there's good accomplishments, but it didn't feel like there was no... You know, that was surprising, and they they had a couple interesting results to get there, like beating other foreigners. Serral, in my opinion, this is, like, the end game. If he wins this, this is, like, yep, he was the best player in, in of the year. And we've never said that about a foreigner. Ever. Ever. Starcraft 2, Brood mm -hmm. War, never. It'd be amazing. Mark Ant. Jeff, if you had to pick a Warhammer 40k army for Dan, Roddy, and Nero, what armies would they be and why? 
also bees. I'm not sure about the bees part, but that's an interesting question. Armies. So Kevin, I think, would have to be orcs because he was an orc player in Warcraft 3. They're goofy, they're silly, but they're also really good. Because Kevin could never play something that wasn't good. He's like one of the funniest comments that he does not say that much very often anymore is that he wished he would have picked Zerg in StarCraft 2. <laughs> because he feels like they're the best. Um, but yeah, he'd be, he'd be orcs. Neuro. Neuro's Dark Eldar, man. There's something weirdly metal about that. A little bit <laughs> kind of... Uh, they're very forward-thinking about how society interacts and, and uh, how many people can participate in sex at the same time. Um, Artosis. <laughs> Eldar, probably. Uh, most broken, imbalanced, and... like It's just the, be- the best chance to win. And then the oldest guy in all of 40k yeah. lore is probably Eldrad, and that's also what Artosis is for StarCraft, so it could be a good fit. Uh, Ender Sword, what is your favorite game that's come out in the last two years? Real quick. The, so, guys... I'm not even memeing right now, and I, I, have, Kevin. Kevin, I, I, I didn't play or buy anything in the last yeah. two years. I can go further back. I can go six or seven. Like, it's just, I got Legacy of the Void as a gift. I got Heart of the Sword. I don't buy yeah. games. I just, I, I honestly don't. Dan, you play a lot of games. Is there anything that's your favorite? I, I haven't played in the last two years. Yeah. Actually, there's, there is a game for the Nintendo Switch that I've played a little bit. From the last two years, um, Octopath Traveler. I started. There you go. Nero, do you play? I don't else? know if I'll ever finish it because I generally only play StarCraft. But who knows? It's pretty good so far. I don't get bored of StarCraft. If I had to say one game that really connected with my soul, my spirit, and my mind, it's Doom 2016. God, God damn! That was done. Really was it well. good? It's incredible. Okay. It's okay. it's really polished as a shooting game, so it feels tight and responsive. And I think for a StarCraft person, you really want the game to not feel clunky. Mm-hmm. It feels tight and crisp, and it's fast. It's very violent, but it's it's super awesome. Everyone not a ton it. of story, but it's about the experience of more and more difficult interactions, and you learn and get more complex situations over the course of the campaign. I didn't do multiplayer. It's just the, the campaign, but I'm super hyped for Doom Eternal. Like, I always feel like I would enjoy it. So it's not that I, I hate every other video game. It's just that for some reason, I cannot get into it. And I wake up with this idea of, like, I'm going to do StarCraft. And then after, like, a full day of games, I'm like, all right, I don't want to, you know, drink some or hang out with my friends or watch sports. I mean, I watch an insane amount of sports. Like, I, I enjoy so many different sports yeah. that I feel like those are my different video games, you know. I'm just not playing. Like, StarCraft is the game that I actively play. And then I follow like football, American football, a little bit of ice hockey, Formula One, MMA. You know, I follow it all. So I feel like those are my different video games other than my main game. All right. Our very own Rubby, Mr. Fear Dragon, asks, with BlizzCon coming up and there being so much hype around Serral, I've been wondering about Neeb. He's been hot and cold this year with his performance, and I've been mulling over something he asked me at an event. So question for Roddy. Why didn't you go for Storm in that last ladder game? And was it because you're in California right now or because you were tired because you look tired? Thanks for the great show. Love you guys. <laughs> love you too, Ravi. Ravi's a funny guy. That's a good question. I like it. High Tide. I've been watching more Brood War lately, and I noticed ASL has entrance themes picked by players when they are shown before the game. This seems to be a simple thing that adds a dash of personality to players along with some amusing moments and commentary. Personality. Personality for players shown between the actual games and not just interviews is something I would say is lacking in StarCraft 2, and things like this would be a nice way to mix it up. 
Is there a reason we don't have anything like that for GSL, WCS, and such? I would say copyright, but they do it already, just not for StarCraft 2. Do you think there should be more effort directed at things like helping players show some more uniqueness when they play? For the music thing, definitely there's uh, copyright laws. Korea has different copyright laws, but some of our VODs have been getting caught out and going off YouTube, so I'm not sure what's going to happen with that at the end of the day. But I think that's a big part of the reason around that and why all of us, the moment that we hear the beginning of the IEM theme song, we're just like, oh, I can see the whole video. Yep, they're going to shoot the stadium with the laser um, because there's just people don't have enough different music for it. Try to keep those questions shorter, buddy. Onrack says, question for Rotterdam. If you had to choose, would you be a cow with Todd's head and would speak normally <laughs> or Todd with a cow's head and only make cow noises? What is with him getting the weirdest questions early in the this morning? Is the, this is the meta uh, for Kevin. There's no barcode to save him. Aren't here. those the same thing, basically? I'd, 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 pro- I'd probably just be like Todd's body with a cow head and only make cow noises. <laughs> like, I, I think that would go well. Tough life. Question for everyone: Which is a which of the above would you prefer to see? And then he says, "Supai." I would like to see Kevin. Would you be a cow with Todd's head? Yeah, yes. like, I I want to see Kevin as a cow with Todd's head because <laughs> I feel like he'd have so much to complain about and just generally be he'd be like a really disgruntled would... cow. I would like to cast with a Todd's body and a cow's head. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and here they go. And then he just goes, moo. It's like the sickest hype cast. <laughs> kilo, kilo. To Rotterdam. If you were a cookie, what type of cookie would you be and who would eat you? I would be a white chip macadamia oh. nut cookie because I love those cookies. And, uh, I don't know. I hope Bling would eat me because it wouldn't hurt him. <laughs> he can yeah. spare a cookie or two. Yeah, so, <laughs> too much razzmatazz. Not sure if this was touched on yet or not. For the BlizzCon Pilot Show, will that be for virtual ticket holders only or stream for free on StarCraft Twitch? Will we get the VOD on Artosis YouTube? Matt, do you remember? They did tell us, I believe it will be free. It's on Star. It's going to yeah, be restreamed on the StarCraft channel, I thought it was Oh, no, it's on our channel. It's on my channel. And then hosted on StarCraft. And then the VOD will be on, I believe, StarCraft's YouTube, which is... It'll be on, it'll be on my YouTube a couple days later. And then dance. There you go. Yeah. So the answer is yes. Uh, who would win in a kissing contest? Harstom or In Control from Bilbo? Harstom. I'm still not sure what a kissing contest is, by the way. And- First of all, it depends on the type of kiss the person wants, too. So you would need a panel of judges, and you have to kiss all the people, and that's just that sounds kind of gross to me. Well, depends on the lineup. Harstom's European, so kissing lots of strangers is something that they just kind of do on a Tuesday. Uh, undecided, friend. Don't know. He's got the lips for it, but I've got these hips. Warhammer asks, spectators, players, and casters often name a certain player as the best at a certain point in time. Right now would be Maru slash Serral. My question is, out of every StarCraft two player ever, assuming they're all playing at their absolute peaks, who would be considered the best? I consider Dark. As the player with the best peak, when he's going, he is precise, ruthless, and unstoppable. With plenty of different builds and strategies. Quick question. Wow. Okay. Who's the best player ever for you guys? 
Well, it's always the current best player because people are all improving over time. So it doesn't. We could have two MVPs at their peak playing on Archon mode, and Sarah would still beat them. Um, I'm not going to go with three, but we'll go with two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just it, the the current players are the best players. Uh, who is the best player? I maybe we'll figure it out at BlizzCon, but you know, it's a short list that we have to choose from right now. I the game has changed a lot in the fundamental capacity of what StarCraft is and StarCraft 2, like going from Wings to Hots to Legacy and the pace and the tempo and the style and what's rewarded and what's not. So that it becomes really hard, right? Because if they're dominant in one era, it doesn't necessarily mean they're dominant in a different era with a different meta and a different game flow. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I know what you're going for and it's something that sports fans do a lot with like, was Michael Jordan better or LeBron James? It's a tough one. There's obviously good arguments on either side. I do agree that like the more modern top player is better than your best player of old times that you remember. Like it's, yeah. Uh, quick second question: What are your favorite sandwiches? Oh, can I Italian take... with hot peppers. Kevin, go ahead. <clears throat> All right. A food long cheese oregano, spicy Italian, no cheese but toasted with lettuce. Pickles, um, bell peppers, onions, and sometimes banana peppers or jalapenos, but sometimes not. And then Southwest sauce. Wow, that is my set. That's my order. Always the same. And it's a great sandwich. Like a good friend, I'll be able to name Dan's. Dan's is two uh, whole wheat bread slices with grass clippings, a little bit of dirt, <laughs> a lot of dirt. Go ahead, Dan. What's your favorite sandwich? Uh, my favorite sandwich is. A sentient egg salad sandwich that Roddy eats without a shirt on. Oh. That's a lot of memes wrapped into one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nero's face describes it perfectly. It's a little bit concerned. A lot of confusion. Uh, I like a lot of sandwiches. I'm sure you guys can just imagine. I just, I don't know. Subway's great, but yeah, I like, I like uh, generally Jimmy Italian. John's. Yeah, Jimmy John's is great, actually. It really is. Even though it's a fast food chain, I know. It's, it's good. Salami, meat, mustard, mayonnaise, lettuce... I, I I'm happy. Have you been to Firehouse Subs? Never heard of it. I have. Oh, I went once. I think it's good stuff. Okay, yeah. The crazy. Jersey thing is also pretty good. The New Jersey mics or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I've had that. Guys, you're making me hungry. We're almost done. Uh, so that's it for the priority Patreon questions. If you are a Patreon, feel free to ask more. Again, keep them short, please, so that we can get through this. Because at the end of the show is when uh, I feel most pained for some of our guests. There was a couple here. In the, oops, that's the general chat. Questions for the host. I saw a couple that I really want to ask because they were good. Just give me a second. Brevity is the soul of wit. Okay, Can that be the quote of the day? That's <laughs> so this one's pretty good. Spet, um, I think this is the one I was looking at. Spet, this question will be most likely, anyway. Guys, this question will be lost. There it is. I was missing a word. Lost most likely, but here we go. You mentioned lack of StarCraft II personality before, and then you talked about BM in last episode, however. Is not that a part of showmanship and moderation? Wouldn't it be great to bring back encourage some kind of trash talk before in-between matches to popularize the game? I mean, in moderation, but healthy, just slightly, maybe toxic rivalries is what kicked off StarCraft in the first place. Strongly disagree with that, um, but generally agree with what you're saying. Look at boxing and MMA with all the pre-show shenanigans is what hypes it all up. Do you think there is genuine benefit in it? 
So BM, we talked about that an episode ago. This person's argument is, you know, BM is a big part of what makes StarCraft interesting. Uh, personalities clash and that kind of stuff. Do you guys agree or disagree? That's like saying you have to be mean to have a personality that's interesting. Come on. You can, you can have all kinds of pizzazz. You can be hilarious and really silly. You can poke fun at somebody in a way that both people enjoy it and play it off and all that. It's not like you have to compromise your respect for someone to create something interesting for the interaction. Come on. I, I, I don't think like BM is always bad, right? Like, like I saw that you, you played a little clip of uh, me talking about that. I'm going to spike the guy's drink if he manumules me all the time. But that doesn't mean that like, I think that is very bad or that's bad for the scene or bad for anything. Like, no, I do, I do think it's cool. Like if, let's say, uh, I mean, it didn't happen, right? But let's say Maru would have beat Cero and GSL Visual and he would have dropped like seven mules at the end of the game. I mean, that sure as hell fuels the fire and the rivalry. So I definitely think there is some cool rivalry. But I mean, comparing StarCraft to MMA or boxing, I think that's a little bit different because those guys are multi, multi, multi millionaires. So they can say some more silly stuff as well. You know, these are often still young guys. You don't want to force it upon someone. Either right. people have that personality or you don't. I absolutely do believe we should let people be themselves. That's why I think we love Stefano because he's so careless and free living. But it's it's who you are. And obviously, if if you're playing a tournament with ten thousand dollars, you know a little bit of banter here and there is okay. But you can walk around like you're fucking Conor McGregor, you know, and and just that's just a different world. I don't think you can compare the two. Uh, also, you don't want to optimize for views in a way like this, or it'll just become trash like most everything is nowadays, where everything's optimized for outrage. And it's like, oh, this is, if you feel strong emotion about something, you're more likely to check it out. So that would be one way, yes, to get more views, but it would also make this really crappy for the long term. Yeah, I like what you guys said about that. I, I know what this person's getting at, and that is that, like, in a weird exaggeration of what we said, if we, if there's no BM and there's no personality, like we don't want anyone to be BM ever that, that would that hurt the game? Absolutely. It would. Um, I think we were mostly talking about the levels of BM that some people show and where they show it and yeah. why that's not a good thing. But I love the Idra era. He was great for the game. I've, um, there is a place for some people that I don't necessarily need to name, but like as streaming personalities, when they're very BM, it does get people talking about it. But at the same time, is it? I agree with what Dan and Kevin were saying. Like, do you encourage that and, and think that that's what the game needs to be about? No. Last my question. games versus Avila are always really spicy. I get extra views. Spicy pig likes it too. Yeah, pig likes a lot of spicy though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last question from our very own GG Emini nineteen. Oh, what are everyone's way of dealing with frustrations leaking from a bad ladder session into your real life? I'll often try to play just a few games in my free time and immediately lose them, and my mood is ruined for the rest of the day. How do you best address this? I never play a few games. <laughs> I, play, I, I play a lot of games. To be honest, that is actually something that I don't generally do. Let's say I know that I have an appointment at 11 a.m. I'm either going to wake up at 6 a.m., so I know I've got four and a half hours, uh-huh. but I will never... No, I, I don't wake up at 9.45 and be like, you know what, two games. Like, no, you, you don't do that. Like, I need a block for Starker. I can't do the two or three game thing. I think no that's way. good advice, by the way. So he was asking for how to handle this. Some good advice would be not to put yourself in a situation where you're like, I'll play two games. And then if you lose two, you're grumpy. <laughs> Set aside time so that if you do lose a bunch of games or whatever, you have time to process it and, and kind of uh, 
deal with it. But Kevin, just to follow up on it, um, when you do have a bad block of ladder, is there anything you do to, to shake off the feeling or deal with it? I think it's a little bit unfair for me to answer that question because whenever I have a bad ladder session, I still did my job. And every day that mm -hmm. I work, I will feel satisfied, proud, and happy that this was my work day. So if the worst thing in the world, like I can always tell myself, if the worst thing in the world for me is that I lost a bunch of games on the ladder, but yet I was able to entertain people, yet I've made some money, and yet I, I've done what I have to do as an adult to make okay. a living. So I cannot answer that question totally in the same way because my situation is very different. I D win every day. Yeah, <laughs> he wins every day. Dan, yeah, I know that this I, is hard to think, but uh, I've heard rumors that sometimes you have some kind of salty, bad experiences with StarCraft. It's never happened, Jeff. But um, if I had, I would probably either go outside and get some sunlight or put myself around something innocent, like my dog or my children, because then it's kind of like it puts things into perspective very quickly where it's like, oh, well, my dog or my kids, it's like I'd have to be a real shitter to treat them poorly after a bad liner session, right? They have nothing to do with the guy making a gateway in the middle of the map, right? So uh, that can help. Nero? You want to know what I do? We all do. You know what I fucking do? I put on the Rocky theme, mm -hmm. and I tell my chat that I'm pissed off, and I've lost a shit ton, and I get out of my chair, and I hit the floor, and I do 30 to 40 push-ups, I get my breathing going, and then I listen to Eye of the Tiger, and I tell my next opponent... Well, it's too bad for you because I'm getting in the zone now and I'm going to play better than I played the last game. And if I don't, I don't care because I'm going to push through it. I like that. I, I would say so try it. It only takes 10 minutes. It's a very personal question, what I would say, because I'm like looking at Dan's. Dan's like, I get really mad that I put myself next to my wife, kids and dog. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of people that shouldn't do that. And then Kevin's like, I can't answer that because I win every day. And then Nero says, like, <laughs> no, when, when I say I win every day, I don't. <laughs> You know, I, I I don't mean in StarCraft, right? I just mean that, like, you know, I think I'm very yeah. grateful to have a successful stream and, you know, to also putting things in perspective. Like Dan said, if the worst thing in the world right now is losing a bunch of games, but I still did my job and I'm very happy to have this job, yeah, I cannot possibly compare my anger to somebody who was sitting there by himself in the room and then yeah. you lose because that's a whole type of different frustration, right? So I just think it's not very fair for me to answer that question. Of course. Uh, GG this is the stuff that works for these guys. Generally speaking, the advice is always, but I do like what Kevin said in particular, like don't play two games before you're having to go somewhere. That's a recipe for disaster. Um, but like getting up, going outside, exercise, doing something else, that's a good answer. We talked a lot about this. We had an episode where we talked about like ladder anxiety and stuff. There's a lot of people who like lose four games and are like, I'm just going to keep playing. And that does. That works for Nero. That works for Kevin. I do it too, to be honest with you. Uh, but if you're getting really mad and you're losing more and more, you got to just give yourself a, a rest. Yeah. Advice. Anyways, I mean, I wish I would have a puppy, though. Don't get me wrong. Like, if I would have a dog, that would never make me mad. You need a puppy, Kevin. I live in a shitty apartment. We'll get one one day. Someday. Guys, that's episode 24. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. These are the people that make a lot of what we do absolutely possible. Uh, Emery Toss at that god tier. Thank you so much, sir. Um, but even if you can't afford that, a lot of these people, on, I mean, everyone on this, this list, thank you guys. It's been 24, by the way. And I, I did this while Dan wasn't here, but I want to say it again. Dan, keeping, like, we, we've done 24 freaking episodes, and you've done yeah. like, 23 of them, by the way. It's me that's missed a bunch. So huge shout-out to you. You're, you're amazing. Shout-out to Cobra. We brought Alice Sonder on the, on the show as well. She's kind of becoming Cobra's Cobra, which I don't know where that stops that that's looking into a miracle size i guess 
Um, but <laughs> she's been helping out. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got some regular guests like these two fine gents here that make the show amazing. People were genuinely excited when you guys said you were coming on, by the way. So, Kevin, I see the pain on your face. I know that this is terrible, but thank you. Neuro, you're, you've got a beautiful mind and long hair, so we, we love having you guys on here. So let's do some shout-outs. Kevin, what are you up to? Is there Are you off until BlizzCon? What do you, what do you got going on? Uh, putting me on the spot, but yeah, I, I don't think I have much. I mean, I'm obviously going to spend some... Uh, I'm going to visit my brother a lot because I'm very excited for him and his wife. Other than that, I'm just streaming. Uh, I do want to say that today I ran a little tournament, Subtoony, and I actually thought it was really cool and... Obviously, I had a couple of good players playing. Goblin wanted exciting 16-year-old kid, but he's 6.6 game on Mars, so was expected. But I really enjoyed that. So I will try to run a 5K MMR and below tournament. And one thing that I truly want to do, and I keep saying this, but I don't see it happening, is I want to run tournaments for people without ever any WCS points because I think that would be a really cool thing as well, and that's a very easy line to draw. So mm. yeah, I'm going to do a lot of that stuff. On uh, Twitch.tv slash Rotterdam08. Other than that, I'm just going to play a lot of ladder. And uh, thank you guys so much for having me. Always fun. Rotterdam008 channel. I know you guys all watch it, but make sure and check it out. Nero, it's your birthday. You're streaming after this. What else is going on with you, man? We've got the Twitch front page promotion oh, uh, coming up. So tomorrow at like 4 p.m. PST, I think, for two hours. And then we have three more different sessions. There will be one kind of IRL. I want to do a round table session with a bunch of StarCraft personalities and streamers and talk about the process of building a stream. Cool. Just to kind of get that feedback. But yeah, the stream has tons of momentum right now. I'm super thankful of the people who have made that possible. Blizzard's promoted it a whole bunch. Being on here helps me out a whole bunch. Um, tomorrow I'm starting a bronze to GM series. I know Vibe just did one. I want to shout out his. His is really good content as well. You can find that on his YouTube channel. But what I'm trying to do, and the inspiration for this, is the really earnest viewer who comes into my channel and says, Neuro, I'm Platinum 2. What do I do better? How do I get into Platinum 1? There's no way that I would know that. I never go there. So this is my way to go through the leagues all the way from the bottom to the top. And we're going to look at the graphs. We're going to pull the data from minute to minute. How much stuff do these people have? And what the heck are they doing? Because I don't know. But I'm going to find out. And you can join me. That's That's awesome. So that starts tomorrow. Make sure and tune in. We'll be hosting this channel immediately after this. So if you don't know where to go, stay tuned. You'll you'll see it. But it is just literally, is it Nero Zerg or is it just Nero? It's Nero. I was Nero StarCraft and then I cut the StarCraft because Nero was not actually being used and everyone flipped, but I'm StarCraft. Still StarCraft. U-R-O StarCraft on Twitch. Yep. Um, and then I forgot to, before we get to Dan, I forgot to shout out AFKT, by the way, as well. So Corbett's doing a great job showing that there. Dan drinks it, says it's really great. Heard great feedback on that. Um, and then, of course, Maturino and Patreon are our big ones here. Uh, you can use code PYLON on AFKT to save 15% if you need to. But also, Dan, you're home. You're going to BlizzCon at the end of the month. What are you up to uh, otherwise, man? Uh, we got ASL going on still. And uh, KSL starts next week. So, like, one week from today is KSL opening season. Other than that, I'm streaming a whole lot, playing a bunch of StarCraft, and uh, having a great time doing it. So, uh, definitely check me out over on Twitch TV forward slash Artosis. And, of course, The Pilot Show. Very good. And just to close out, uh, I want to I add as well for we've, – we've been saying this a lot, but I get nothing but super positive feedback on The Pilot Show. People at Blizzard say they really enjoy it. 
people uh, that I encounter on the ladder and in various different like Reddit <laughs> and Team Liquid. No, I'm seriously. They, they, no, they no, sorry. I was laughing at the chat because oh, when okay. I told said he's having a great time doing it, somebody's like, are you though? <laughs> so I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's going to giggle out of me. Uh, but it's going really well. We're really happy with it. Dan and I, Cobra, we all talk and, and we're still really enjoying it. The workload seems to be going good. It's getting very fluid. Guests are awesome. Um, so just thank you. We're really happy with the show and the direction it's going. Uh, for me personally, I'm on two new role-playing shows, uh, one that starts, or not starts, but is on Thursdays, and one that we just started today. If you hit exclamation mark D-N-D, letters D-N-D in the chat, they'll link you to all the stuff. That's really fun. Otherwise, I'm streaming a bunch of stuff. I'm going to be showing off a new RTS game on Friday that I got a code for, and then next week I'm trying out um, Space Hulk Tactics, which is like an XCOM-like strategy game. We'll see what those look like. Otherwise, it's a lot what of game are you, Which RTS game are you trying out? Uh, I was trying to avoid that because I forgot the name of it. But it's Dino something. It's like literally a Dino RTS game. And I have another cool. code if you want one, Dan. I can give you a Yes, please. I love it. Absolutely. Okay. So that's what's coming up. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you. I believe we have an episode next week. There's, I've heard nothing else. Mm-hmm. Kevin's got to sleep. Nero's got to stream. I'll be there. Love you guys. We'll see you later. Mm-hmm.